0: I went to an open house to find out what it was about. And I brought my portfolio to talk to the coordinator. And she looked at my portfolio, which was from, you know, I mean, I hadn't really done a lot of natural science stuff. It was some watercolors and some drawings here and there. And the first thing she said to me is you need to take drawing one. And I was like, what?
1: Like I was. And you've been drawing all your life. I
0: know. I mean, I had two degrees in art and I was like, what are you talking about? Like I was, I was actually like a little defiant, you know, I'm like. Whoa, yeah. whoa, 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 back up. Wait a minute. Like, you want me to take drawing one? She said, You, you really can't draw.
1: That must have crushed you a little bit. I mean, well, was she right or not?
0: Yes. I did say something to her, like, yeah. you know, I, I have two degrees in art. And she said, Yeah, but you really, you really need to learn to draw. And she looked at me so sincerely and in such a sweet and tender way. She said, Dear, I promise you it will be the best thing that you will ever do for your art career.
1: Welcome to Sharpened Artist, a colored pencil podcast. Weekly discussions in and around this medium that we love so much. Hey there, welcome back to the show. My name is John Midick of sharpenedartist.com. I'm so excited to have you here again for another week. So here's, here's the thing, guys. Not that long ago, I had a members-only office hours with a fantastic artist, and she went through a demonstration. She actually did a couple of demonstrations. Everyone loved her. You'll see why, you'll hear why here in a little bit. Mindy is coming back on, and she's actually going to be my guest today. I'm so excited about this. So Mindy is so skilled at what she does, and If you're not familiar with my guest today, her name is Mindy Lighthype. She is a natural science illustrator. She works in a number of mediums and in a number of genres or subject matter. So I'm excited to talk to her about some of that. And I think the scope of what we're going to be dealing with here today and the, the problem or the job I have today is narrowing this down. Right, Mindy? Welcome to the show. (laughs) You're thank here.
0: you, John. And thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be uh, in your company and to talk to your audience. So I'm looking forward to, awesome. the, to, our, to our conversation.
1: All right. So let's rewind the tape. Let's go way back and talk to me about what got you interested in becoming an artist.
0: Uh, I'm an only child of an only child. So, um, you know, I did not grow up around a lot of kids and unfortunately my mom was ill when I was, when I was growing up. So I was kinda, and we didn't have a lot of money, so it was kind of like a lot of the funding and whatnot went to, um, taking care of my mom and, and stuff like that. My dad was a school teacher and I think that it was sort of like be, be quiet and, you know, children should, should be seen and not heard kind of thing. And I, I think that they encouraged me, you know, it's like, they didn't have a lot of money. Uh, so I would get crayons, you know, I would get paper and I would kind of be told like, go play. And I would go play with crayons. You know, I mean, I was kind of like, you know, and, and one of my, one of the memories that I have, and I still have this, my grandmother, I did a little color crayon drawing. Um, I think I was like two or three years old I mean, ridiculously young and my grandmother took yeah. it and I was her only grandchild. So she took it and she framed it and she said that she knew at oh, that wow. moment that I was going to be an artist, you know, I'm just like two years old or something. I was just making marks on the paper. Oh my goodness. But I still have that drawing. And so I think that, you know, just, oh, just in terms of, of me, um, you know, be, being in that situation growing up, um, mm-hmm. I was encouraged to be quiet and like kind of be self-sustaining. So, you know, uh-huh. um, rather than getting into trouble, you know, I mean, as, as a teenager or whatever, I was constantly creating stuff, regardless of what it mm-hmm. was. I was always making stuff. Um, you know, I was like I made um, jewelry by stringing beads and stuff. And like one of my first I worked in a flea market and I was I was selling my own jewelry at oh, the wow. age of like 13, you know. So I was very kind of entrepreneurial, you know, of always kind of doing things. I took pottery lessons. I took all kinds of stuff. So I was always wanting to do something. And I think because my parents were seeing that, you know, it was something that was interested to me, they nurtured that. Yeah. Um, you know, and they, yeah. they basically even though they even though later on my father's like, you're never gonna make any money as an artist, you should become a teacher. You know, he was concerned that you know I I would just not be able to 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 sustain you know a financial uh, independence by being an artist and and him being a, a school teacher. He thought that I should be a school teacher, but he loved children and I don't. So. <laughs> <laughs> I love of,
1: the honesty <laughs>
0: there yeah uh, so I was, I was uh, kind of like don't put me you know again being an only child that wasn't around a lot of children no. so it was kind right, of like right, right. i'm like oh gosh you know i really don't want to do that but you know i love teaching adults but um you know i kind of freaked out about being around like a bunch of little kids um and i don't have any children of my own so Yeah, I'm much better.
1: He he taught little kids. He taught in elementary. He
0: taught eighth grade English.
1: Eighth grade. He liked puberty.
0: I mean, like really, like I mean, it's kind of probably had to be like the worst thing that you could possibly do is, is have like a 12 to 14 year old boys and girls. I mean, I think they're the most horrid. They at don't even age. listen. They don't even, uh, yeah, they
1: don't even, they're not ready to learn. No, 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 no. <laughs> they got other things going yeah, on. <laughs> yeah. So, so, you yeah.
0: know, but they did encourage me, you know, because it, it always kept me occupied and out of trouble and right. I, you know, and I was creative and I enjoyed it. So, you know, that's kind of my beginning, you know, of it. I mean, mm-hmm. it just, it was always like, well, you know, I, th- it, it, there was, it was pointless to buy like games. You know, like people had mm-hmm. had games. You had a big yeah. family where they're kind of pointless to have yeah. games. So, yeah. you know, it Play was you was like, know
1: by yourself. Yeah, huh? buy me a coloring
0: <laughs> book or buy me paper, or buy me, you know, whatever. And I wasn't right, right. I wasn't very interested in playing with dolls, you know, or anything like that. But did
1: you have a lot of friends right. in school? I mean, did you uh, hang out buddies and stuff like that?
0: No. Um, and, and part of no, it was okay. because I went to a Catholic school where we were bussed in. So there was nobody like the kids that were in my neighborhood all went to public school. So I was kind of like the outsider, you know, kind of thing. And as I said, my mom was, you know, my mom was sick. And so it was, it was really Mm. kind of, you know, a difficult situation because you didn't really bring kids into the house. You know what I mean? Mm, It wasn't, it mm. wasn't like that. So, you know, I think that Mm. it was kind of solitary and I, and I think that, you know, in some ways, um, And I don't know that this is true of all artists, but for me, even though when I'm in a situation where I'm talking or I'm teaching or whatever, I seem really personable, but there's a a, a strong aspect of my personality that's an introvert. And I know that that, a lot of people find that very hard to believe because, you know, I have a sense of humor and I laugh and I, you know, and I, I, Mm -hmm. but, you know, I spent an enormous amount of time by myself. So it's almost like I relish in my own, you know, being quiet and going off to myself yeah. by myself. So I think that that was kind of uh, you know part of my beginnings, you know, in 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 my in my childhood was that I did spend a lot of time alone and I actually felt like, you know, sometimes like the more people I meet the more I like my cat. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so You know, my companionship were animals, you know, and I think that that's also where my love of of things. And also, I love nature. Um, You know, Mm -hmm. I could say like a big, huge inspiration was that at the age of, I think, six or seven, my parents sent me to a YMCA camp in Pennsylvania, which um, was a camp that was actually one of the first camps in the country to integrate black and white children. So that was kind of an interesting
1: situation. So what? Yeah. What time for it? What kind of year were you talking 1968. about?
0: 1968. And I think uh, that the, okay. and, and gotcha. the, camp, the camp might have actually, you know, started before that. But um, there were inner cities.
1: like right on the heels of yeah, civil rights absolutely, and all that absolutely.
0: in the U.S. So, yeah. so, you know, my parents sent me to this YMCA camp, which was in the Poconos. And
2: mm-hmm. we,
0: you know, for me, that was probably the most like extroverted I've ever been. You know, in terms of like being part of the cabin, being part of like a girls. uh, Yeah, you you
1: have to be. And
0: it was actually really inspirational because, you know, we Mm. were out in nature and they were very nature Mm -hmm. oriented. And, you know, we were like, we would collect blueberries. And not only would we make our own oven Mm. and make blueberry Mm. cobbler, but we were also using the blueberries to do tie-dyed t-shirts. You know, I mean, it was just this kind of all this really cool Stuff that we were doing.
1: What age, were you
0: at that? Point? Um, I was like eight years old.
1: We're up? Where? Where? Jersey. New Jersey. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're way down south then. Yeah. yeah. Now I'm in Florida. Cool. Yeah. So that was a very impressionable age, too. Absolutely.
0: I'm sure. And you know, and it was one of the best things that my parents probably ever did was to to subject me <laughs> to to that because you know I became a um, you know I became a counselor, I became a, a, mm, a, mm-hmm. a I went through the C I T L I T. Junior counselor, counselor, and then mm-hmm. I actually was the arts and crafts director for that camp for a long time. Oh
2: wow! Um, which That's was so cool. which was
0: you know really really a, an interesting aspect of it. Um, yeah, you know, and I was not really a great student. You know, I think that one of the mm. things that was a little uh, interesting for me was that my my parents were very very academic. My dad went to Duke. Mm-hmm. My mom was fellow Victorian. Mm. They were very scholastic and. What was, and I was kind of like the oddball, you know. I, my father and my mother could not like put a screwdriver to anything. I mean, they just were, you know. And for me, I was a visual learner at a time when visual learning was not really prevalent in schools. So I would say that I was an average student, but I excelled in music and art.
1: They didn't know how to teach students that learned in. Other ways than sitting there at a desk, you know, right. back then. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's so interesting. And yeah, so, uh. so
0: my, you know, my, my, my parents were really pushing me, like, you know, as I said, like my dad went to Duke and, you know, they were yeah. just like, you're going to college. And I was like, well, why, you know, it's like, what's the point, you know, and like, <laughs> you know, whereas, I, so I ended up actually going to a state school and okay. um, my parents, yeah. and this is like the funny, uh, funny personal story. Um, because my parents were so, what I considered so smart, you know, um, academically, I just didn't think I was college material. I just didn't think I was going to go to college. So I had actually in my senior, because you
1: weren't going to Duke or something, right?
0: Exactly. Exactly. And so a lot of times what I would do, you know, is I would sign myself out of school because I was a very good forger. I would forge my mother's signature <laughs> and I, you know, so I think like out of 180 days, I think I missed like 70, you know, I always had like a doctor's appointment or I had oh, something, uh, you know, I was just yeah. constantly like getting <laughs> out of school. Um, so when it came time to go to college, payback time came, um, because my mother forged my signature and, um, for a college application, cause I just wouldn't do it. and. and so i ended up going to college you know to a local school and my parents we made a deal that's funny that i had to go for a year and after a year if i didn't like it then i could you know i could we could we could like renegotiate and uh (laughs) so and i i was an art major you know i knew that i was going to do art i wasn't going to do anything but art and uh the interesting part is that i i had this this wonderful teacher um who i my mother signed me up for a a fiber arts class, a weaving class, Mm -hmm. and my mom was a knitter and a sewer and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, "Uh, Like, mom, like, really? Like, yeah, come on. Like, are you kidding me? Like, I'm not going to do that. (laughs) And what ended up happening was I became a professional hand weaver. I actually, yeah, I was, I worked on a, on a farm for uh, six years through college. I got my master's degree through the same uh, university. They gave me a free scholarship. And, yeah. um, I worked on a, on a sheep farm and we grew natural dyes and we spun. Wow. So I was a, a professional hand spinner and, and weaver. And then That's after so college, funny. I worked, uh, in Manhattan as a production weaver. So it was like, I actually, oh, wow. then when I came home and told my parents that I was going to be a hand weaver, I thought my father was going to have like a conniption. He was just like, oh my <laughs> God. <laughs> like, He's like, no. please
1: be an artist. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. What do you mean you want to be a hand weaver?
0: What does that, oh. you know? And, That's and so, so I actually did that for 15 years. I mean, I, I got a job in Manhattan and I commuted and then I opened up my own business and I had my own, um, hand woven clothing and, and all of that. And wow. I, and I did that for, yeah. you know, a long time. And then I started to, the economy started to change and I was doing like 28 mm. shows a year out of, out of a pickup truck, driving all over the country and produce, I had women that were weaving for me in in like a cottage industry and oh, wow. i so
1: we're we talking about like late 70s or 80s yeah or 80s into, into the 90s about? okay okay
2: yeah
0: and then wow. i started you know then the economy started to tank you know and mm. it was kind of hard to sell you know hand-woven clothing you know if you had a scarf mm-hmm. that was 150 dollars people were like mm-hmm. is this burlap <laughs> You're like mm. no yeah. it's It's silk, you know, and why is this $150? I could get this over at Kmart. And I'm like, well, just go for it then. You know, it was, yeah, (laughs) it was difficult. And I, and I was really tired of traveling around the country. You know, I mean, it's, it's sort of like a gypsy's life, which was fine. Yeah. But, um, you know, I have to say that the one thing that was lacking, um, and, and I say this to a lot of, you know, artists that are aspiring that are young. Um, Uh when you decide to be a full-time artist and not work for someone, you, uh, you are an entrepreneur and you need business skills, period.
2: Yeah. And I had none.
0: So I floundered Mm. a lot, you know, I floundered a lot Mm. and I worked my butt off and I ended up doing Mm -hmm. what I decided to change my career to do natural science work. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, I had to go back to school, but
1: I actually worked. Okay. How'd that come about? I mean, were you, you were always interested in nature. Right. So I guess you, you just decided one day, okay, I am tired of this. I'm ready for a life change. I'm in a different season of life now. Yeah. Is that what happened? I mean, okay.
0: Yeah. I mean, well, I think what happened was, you know, I have to kind of go back a little bit because my dad, one of my dad's best friends was a science teacher. And he okay. was very strong into entomology and he started me with a mm. bug collection as a kid. And okay. uh, he was also yeah. a beekeeper. And so oh, I, wow. I was, you know, I like the creepy crawly things, you know, I like to get out mm-hmm. into the, you know, and find cool bugs and, and whatnot. So, right. um, you know, when I, I remember telling a friend of mine that I was going to change my career and that I wanted to draw insects and she's like, what? You know, like, how could you go from <laughs> making fine fabrics, you know, handwoven fabrics To do that, I said, you know, it's color, it's texture, and it's pattern, and that you find that on insects. You know, I mean, if you look at a butterfly wing, or you look at some of these beetles, or you look at, they're amazing and they're very inspirational. And I was like, that's what I want to do. And I just decided that being the 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 thing of being a hand weaver was in order to make a living, I had to be a production hand weaver, meaning that Mm -hmm. I would have a very short period of time, like usually in January where I would design the new designs for the new season. Mm-hmm. And then I would spend the rest of the year producing it. And so it's yeah. kind of like it got to be the physical labor of being a hand weaver. I ended up like having back issues because I was weaving. Well,
1: it's a grind. Well, I was also, weaving and... 20
0: yards of fabric a day. I mean, that's oh, by I hand. Wish. You know, that's, that's like yeah, an amazing yeah. amount. And then I was sewing. So I was, you know, doing a, doing a lot of work. And then I'd yeah. have to like pick up um, you know, and, and go out to a field where I'd have to carry Mm -hmm. a tent, you know, I mean, it was just, it just got to be, and then, you know, then there would be like a storm and then somebody's booth would blow into your booth. And I was like, oh, yeah,
1: it's just crazy. That, yeah, that part of it, that is very manual. I mean, so, From top to bottom, I mean, everything you were doing as a weaver was very manual.
0: Exactly, exactly. And so, you you know, I just, I I felt like I wasn't, I wasn't utilizing my creativity, you know, like the way that, and Mm -hmm. I began to just get, you know, like I was very proficient at it. I was extremely fast, you know, I'm just like one Mm -hmm. of the, and that was one of the reasons I said, you know, but I really want to change my direction. Um, I want to be more nature, more conservation oriented. Mm -hmm. I just, you know, I just Mm -hmm. want to do Mm -hmm. something that's, that's completely different. Um, and I felt yeah. like, you know, if I make one painting, then it could be reproduced or whatever. And I have to make the same painting over and over and over and over again, you know, kind of mm-hmm. thing. So I looked, you know, and I already had a master's degree. So I was like, I really don't want to go back to school and get like another degree that what, the, what am I going to do with that? Plus the cost yeah. of it. And I found the New York Botanical Gardens and, you know, I was really interested in more in like, insects and animals but i couldn't find anything and it was about mm. an hour and a half drive for me so mm-hmm. um i just you know put my nose to the grindstone and said you know i'm going to do this and it was about it's about a 200 hour discipline um mm-hmm. so it it usually takes about two years and i was in a hurry so i did it in nine months which was a little crazy uh <laughs>
1: So it was an accelerated program then that you went to? Well, I just uh, took too to many courses. D-
0: you know, I took as many courses as oh, I possibly gotcha. could cram okay. in.
1: So you you could just decide yeah. on your own, okay, this is the way I'm going through. It wasn't a cohort going through. No,
0: yeah, uh, it wasn't like college gotcha. where they won't let you. Yeah, I just was like, oh, this, yep, yep. this looks good. Oh, this looks good. it looks good. You know, yeah. and so I just took everything. And then. And then um, get it all done. Yeah. yeah, well, and the thing is that I actually recommend to people not to do what I did because it takes a long time to process a lot of what I was learning. I was learning it so fast that you know, I I think what happened, and this is kind of again a little bit of an interesting story. When I went there, um, I went to an open house to find out what it was about, and I brought my portfolio to talk to the coordinator. And she looked at my portfolio, which was from, you know, I mean, I hadn't really done a lot of natural science stuff. It was some watercolors and some drawings here and there. And the first thing she said to me is, you need to take drawing one. And I was like, what? Like, I was.
1: And you've been drawing all your life. I know. I mean, I had two degrees in art
0: and I was like, what are you talking about? Like, I was, I was actually like a little defiant, you know, I'm like,
2: "Whoa, whoa, whoa, whoa,
0: whoa, whoa, whoa. Back up. Wait a minute. Like, you want me to take drawing one? She said, yeah, she said, honestly, so, she said, you, you really can't draw. And I was like.
1: What? What? So, Rip really must have crushed you a little bit. I mean, well, was she right or not?
0: Yes. And the thing was that, you know, and I just looked at her. I mean, I was, you know, and she was, she was probably, she was in her 60s and I was in my 30s, okay. you know? So okay. I was kind yeah. of like, well, you know, I can't be, you know, rude to her. But, you know, I did say something to her, like, yeah. you know, I. I have two degrees in art. And she said, yeah, but you really, you really need to learn to draw. Hmm. And I, and I said to her, and I said, but she said, and she looked at me so sincerely and in such a sweet and tender way, like she was not confrontational or snobby or anything. She just said to me, "Right, right." she said, dear, I promise you it will be the best thing that you will ever do for your art career. And I was like, Mm. interesting. So she kind of forced me to take drawing one yeah. and I came in there and I took it and it was like after the second class, I kind of like my, almost like my knees buckled and I was just like, she is so right. And what I mm. realized that I came from the educational point of view where, yeah, you know, modern art came in and you're splashing stuff at canvases and you're throwing Mm -hmm, stuff and mm -hmm. like, let's take all of the rules and let's just throw them out the window and let's just be free. You know, it's like a woman burning her bra, like, whoo, let's, (laughs) freedom, let's just do whatever, But, but what happened, I think was that they took, they took the, um, the feelings of, of art and the classical training of drawing. And it's like taking yeah. the baby and throwing the baby out with the bathwater. You know, they, yeah, they, they, they,
1: isolated the two yeah. rather than marrying right. the two. They, so, go and, ahead. and we're talking about, sorry. Uh, and we're, and so we're talking about, um, like the early two thousands, maybe something like that.
0: No, it was in it, the nine oh, Oh, you mean.
1: Nineties again. Yes, when you went the 90s, back to yeah, when learn I went back drawing. I was
0: in the nineties. And, okay. and okay. so, you know, I. As soon as I took like the second class, I basically was humbled. I realized that, you know what, she was absolutely right. I do not know ha- how to draw because when I was in college, which was in mm. the late seventies, early eighties, yeah, my instructor right. would like, you know, put something on the table and then walk away. We were not taught to mm-hmm. measure. We were not taught about negative space. We were not talking about mm. all of the, the components that, you know, you can use for drawing. And, you know, I mean, I think that the only C I ever got in college was life drawing, you know, because this Mm. naked body was there and I had no, no concept as to how to get all of that form. And I was intimidated by it. And it just wasn't, you know, if it had been like, you know, a hamster, I probably would have done a better job.
1: So let me ask you this then. I mean, do you remember like in that second class then, do you remember like any in particular, you know, epiphany moments or any kind of light bulb moments that went off and you're like, oh my goodness, if I had known this 20 years ago, you know, in my drawing, what could I have done with that? I mean, anything like that then? I yeah. mean, it, you said it was one of the best things you did. What? And yeah. she
0: was right. I mean, yeah, I, I felt like, um, you know, I mean, we were taught, I didn't know anything about like, my supplies. I didn't know that there was a difference between papers. Okay. I didn't know that there was, I mean, it's just like I was flooded with information that I had no clue about at all. I mean didn't just even, know just even uh. didn't even know about. And yeah. you know, I think that a lot of our um society in general, it's like I've always had people say things to me like, oh, you're so talented. I have no talent. There's yeah. no way I could ever do that. And yeah. I also, through the New York Botanical Gardens, I also studied under Betty Edwards, who is drawing on the right side of the brain.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I got certified to teach her uh, program. And what was really interesting. Was that
1: before uh, you went back and took No, the it was after. It was after. Okay, it gotcha, was, gotcha. It
0: was after. After yeah. I realized that, you know what? What, what the teacher was doing in, at the botanical gardens, it was step-by-step broken down into extremely manageable, comprehensive skill building, Ah. which I had never, you know, I have six years of college and I never had that ever. So when I saw that everything that she was asking me to do and was demonstrating, and of course, again, I told you I'm a visual learner. Right. So she demonstrated everything that she was expecting us to do. Yeah. And I was just like, wow, I was like lit on fire. You couldn't stop me, you know, because I was yeah. like, it's not about I thought that maybe I wasn't talented enough.
1: Okay, so you kind of bought into that because you were told that for a while you're talented. Yes. And so how are you going to increase something that you just have naturally or not naturally? Is maybe what was going on in your mind. I think I see that in other um, artists as well, and students for sure. And so, after it was broken down, and like there is a methodical approach to this, absolutely, that was the that probably was more of the light bulb moments, I guess, if you want to call it. Oh, yeah, it it was huge,
0: you know. And and the thing was that I was the thing was that I, I knew. I didn't necessarily think I was talented. Like when someone would say to me, oh my gosh, you're so talented. This was like before I actually went through my, you know, my training. Right. You know, I was kind of like, kind of shrugged my shoulders and I always was very critical of whatever I would do. And I, you know, I would be kind of like, well, yeah, yeah." I mean, I liked, I love doing it. I'm passionate about doing it. So it it brings me enjoyment. But if I had to evaluate myself, I'd be super critical of it and be like, well, and I always kind of felt like I wasn't good enough, Mm -hmm. you know, and I thought about, you know, if I want to go into illustration or I want to go into being a painter, or I want to go into being whatever, I have to learn technique is what I thought. I thought I have to learn technique. I have to, I have to get like some sub technique under my belt to be better. And then, you know, if I could learn some of that, not really that, that, I mean, really, you know, this woman, her name is Pat K that, I mean, she, she literally nailed me right from the first time she goes, you need to learn to draw. Mm-hmm. period. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And and without your ability to draw, it doesn't matter how much technique you yeah. learn. You're and so, you know, my mantra when I when I'm teaching people is like the foundation drawing, that's as good as it's going to get. Mm-hmm. And if you have issues with your foundation aspect of your drawing, you You can't fix it with color. Yeah. You can't fix it with pen and ink. You can't fix it. (laughs) The glitter, the
1: uh, the icing, all of that doesn't help it. The fundamentals do matter. Yeah. That's so true. Absolutely.
0: And, you know, and we're talking about realistic. Yeah. Representational. Yeah. Yeah. Representation because in, in the field that I was, was embarking on, you know, you're looking at scientific, you know, you're looking that you have to, to record things accurately for mm-hmm. scientific identification. Mm-hmm. So you can't, it's not really, yes, it's open to a certain amount of interpretation. Mm-hmm. Yes, you can be creative and artistic within it. But at the same time, you know, you can't put like the legs yeah. on an insect, not on the, you know, there on the are abdomen some rules. and not on the thorax. You can't <laughs> right, right. You, you can't do that. You can't put the nose like on the side of the face. Yeah. You, you know, yeah. you can't put it on the cheek. It has to be anatomically correct. Cor- you have right. to you know we're not we're not doing Picasso work here. we're right. doing it you has know, to otherwise be, we it, have like,
1: it's got to be correct on some level yeah
0: right yeah. right. so you know once and then when I after I kind of went through that and then I you know I kept going and I started learning different techniques, um I also you know found out about Betty Edwards mm-hmm. and um i I studied with her, and you know, people have always been something that you know even my dad would be like, oh, you could draw anything, but you really don't draw people at all you're terrible at it you know and so that was actually a a mental block yeah you know it was like every time I I kind of get to a person I kind of like oh I can't do this (laughs) you know and I have to like get rid of that and I remember being with Betty and we had to do a a demonstration of a self-portrait and I'm staring at myself which again some people love self-portraits and I'm just like I really hate that you know not only do I not like doing people but I don't like doing myself right And I remember, I remember coming home and from a a day with her, flinging myself on the bed, crying, going, "I'm horrible. I can't do this. I'm (laughs) a terrible. I'll never be an artist." You know, and I was already already accomplished. Yeah, yeah. And my husband was kind of like, "Are you out of your mind?" (laughs) It's like, what happened? I said, I had a cathartic meltdown. You know, and I went to Betty and I told her, and she said you know, she was so good about it. She said, drawing is a skill, period. Yeah, Yeah. You know, it's like learning to read, you learn the alphabet, then you learn to put words together, Mm -hmm. then you put sentences together, then you, you know, you create a story, you learn to read or whatever. She's like, drawing is exactly the same thing. And that, you know, that really solidified not only my own angst or my own insecurities of, of what I could do or couldn't do. Um, you know, what I think talent comes in to what you do with your skill level,
2: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: you know? So, so once you have skills, then you can start being creative, you yeah. know, I mean? like everybody can read and write, but does that make them, you know, like Shakespeare? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, well,
1: that natural ability only gets you so far um, unless mm-hmm. you treat it as a skill, you know, you're, you're not going to progress uh, like you yeah. would otherwise. Yeah. Very good point. I love that.
0: So, you know, that's kind of how I got to, you know, that's sort of like my being six years old and now, yeah. you know, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm 60. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, I love I, it. I
0: <laughs>
1: no, that's very good. Um, y- yeah. So, I mean, as I, as I listen to that though, it sounds like, you know, that maybe there was always uh, this interest and this passion that was just sort of dormant while you were going through these uh, weaving years. Um, do you do you still do some weaving on the side or anything like that? Just
0: I have my loom. It's okay. in
1: pieces.
0: Yeah. Um, but I had two looms. I kept one when I moved to Florida. Gotcha. And I kept my I have a spinning wheel, which is very special to me. Mm. I apprenticed myself with this woman and she designed what's called a production wheel, but it's based on a historical design. Oh wow. And it's called a double treadle wheel and it is it's made out of black walnut from a tree in her yard oh and it was like it was like a special gift to me and i find that spinning is is a very um i learned to do what's called a long draw Uh which is a production method where you can actually like spin yarn like there's the Uh, inchworm technique uh where you like pull little tiny bits and you make like you know five inches of yarn of, of of yarn, like in, in a minute, mm. whereas I was producing again, I was always in a production mode. So I was spinning yarns to sell
2: mm-hmm. and
0: s- spinning, you know, if you, if you're doing something really slow, you, you can't do that. Yeah. Um, so, mm. but I kept that wheel and I still spin okay. because I find that it's a very rhythmic, very beautiful thing to do. Mm-hmm. I've stopped weaving because I really don't like to sew. Mm, mm -hmm. and I don't want to make women's clothing I mean now you know so I have a whole bunch of yarns yeah and I think at some point I might try to incorporate it but you know I just I'm one of these people that kind of gets bored and then I go (laughs) and I want to you know and I and I learn a new technique and I go do something else and I go do something else so I keep changing but I'm not willing to let go of my loom because the thought of having to buy the yarns and buy all the equipment again so Uh,
1: gotcha it's well, sitting, I mean, you you spinning got,
0: wheel. I do use.
1: You've got so much going on though uh that you're doing now. I I know it didn't just happen overnight, but I mean, you've been building up uh to, you know, what your current um role is as an art instructor. Um so for those that may not know, Mindy teaches courses. Uh she works with uh students live as well. There's some live components to it as well. Uh she's written books. Uh so let's talk then about what what you're currently doing um, and uh, the type of programs that you offer right now? I just want to touch on that a little bit.
0: Okay, um, I teach. I'm I'm an, a uh, a professor at the University of Florida, so I teach uh, scientific illustration mm-hmm. there, and uh, I'm teaching non art majors, which is a very interesting thing. They're mostly science students, which is um, you know, kind of interesting because they, some of them have some drawing skills yeah. and some of them don't. Yeah. And one of the things that I think that I'm really very proud of and which I really enjoy is that I think that, you know, again, like learning, you know, and, and, cre- and, and, Attaching art to learning, I think, is really important. Uh-huh. So when I get these students, you know, they're a little freaked out because they are afraid that they're going to fail the course because they can't draw.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: so my job is to get them to draw, to be confident. But I also have, um, you know, I had like a brilliant moment when I, was, when I was designing the course. We, I Part of their grade is figuring out who their target audience is. So, illustration is a little bit different than just creating art for art's sake, mm-hmm. meaning that if you have an audience, the audience could be a five year old. Mm-hmm. The audience could be a Girl Scout troop. The audience could or a be medical a doctor, dissertation. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, depending on the level, uh, not things have to be accurate, but they can be cartoonish. Yeah. I mean, as long as, you know, it doesn't have to be. So, I make them create a, um, like a little essay mm-hmm. as to who their illustration is for. Mm-hmm. So what I really like about it is that it makes them think before they do the project, mm. they have to come up with who they're drawing for, and then they have to customize their drawing and their information, their research, all of the things so that it fits that. And part of their grade is how well did they get to their target audience? Yeah. And so, and I, and I, I, encourage them to also be creative so i've had students create like puzzles Mm -hmm. and you know different like i had like a one one person uh he created like a dice game where you on the dice there were different insects that when you rolled the dice you would get like and he made this whole game up and stuff sounds like a really fun
2: one
0: (laughs) yeah i mean it was just super awesome so you know i think that i had to come up with a creative solution because my students were you know, what are we going to do for that? So Uh that's, that's kind of what I do at at UF. Currently I'm online because of the pandemic and, uh, the pandemic has actually opened up a broader audience for me. Ah, Um, I, 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 in the middle of the semester, uh, two years ago when the pandemic hit, um, I was forced to go online, Mm -hmm. you know, like immediately, like boom, Mm -hmm. all of a sudden I had to go online, but with that being said, just to back up a little bit, I worked at the New York Botanical Gardens. After I got my certification at the Botanical uh-huh. Gardens, I then the woman who told me I had to take drawing one, who was the coordinator right. and director of the program, she decided she was going to retire, and she was like, "Do you want my job?" Oh wow! So she she trained me, um, and I ended up being the the director there oh, wow. uh, for fifteen years. Yeah. and during that time, I developed. A two hundred and fifty hour uh, natural science certificate, uh-huh. huh. you know, which was above, which was a separate certificate. So there was two hundred hours in botanical oh. illustration, which only focused on plants. Yeah, but I also wanted to focus on the symbiotic relationship mm. of of plants and animals, mm-hmm. and so I did that. And I worked there, you know, and th- and I had about a thousand students in the program at that point. Wow, and. When I moved to Florida eleven years ago, a lot of my students. Now that program is, I would say that the the age range goes from about thirty five to eighty years old. Oh, I wow. mean, they're really it's adult education. Yeah. It's not. Um, I I would say the program is is about the the about a master's degree. I mean, yeah. it really is a very comprehensive program, and so a lot of these people you know, very serious fantastic artist and it actually helped me be a teacher because I wasn't teaching little kids they really right. you know they wanted to be there I didn't have to discipline them and make them sit in their chair
2: <laughs> yeah <laughs> they exactly. would come to class
0: enthusiastic and wanting to learn yeah. and it was you know and I was one of those students so I knew how intoxicating the and passionate the learning could be and it was just really fun so when I left I left a kind of my students were like you can't leave what are we going to do we you know we want and that's where I started teaching online.
2: Mm. So
0: I actually started teaching online about ago six there. years ago. Yeah, six yeah. or seven years ago. And so I was actually, you know, kind of chugging along yeah. and, and creating it. And then when the pandemic hit, um, I started getting calls around the country from uh, different botanical gardens and natural science programs asking me if I would do online Zoom classes. Mm-hmm. So I started doing that. And then I also had, you know, of my own. So I've been teaching live and right. I've been to have recorded mm-hmm. and then also, you know, working for UF. So the past two years, you know, while a lot of people, you know, unfortunately have suffered because of the pandemic economically, I've actually been in demand for for teaching Um because I already had the equipment, yeah. You know, I was You're already, already set up, yeah, and yeah. ready to, right. to to go, right? Um, you know, it's waned a little bit now because a lot of people have jumped up onto the platform, and people are are online teaching, yeah, <laughs> um, because they've been forced to, they've you been know, you to. Eat, yeah, but, yeah,
2: yeah, that, yeah. That has happened. So,
0: I mean, that's that's kind of how I, you know, but that's where all of my teaching. But the other thing that I that I that I've been doing for twenty five or more years is I do art and photography tours to Costa Rica. Oh, wow. And, and that is like a huge passion for me. I, you know, I had been to to Pennsylvania as a kid, you know, going to summer camp, but I had never actually like been out of the country. Uh You know, I'd never really traveled and I didn't get out of the country until I was 30. You know, I never left the United States until I was 30. So I think the farthest. West I had been was Pennsylvania, and my grandmother took me to Disney World when I was like twelve
2: or something, yeah, you know, yeah. in
0: Florida. So I mean, I really hadn't ever gotten an opportunity to to see the world, and I always wanted to see a rainforest. And I kind of researched it and found out that Costa Rica was, you know, they had no military there. It was, you know, it was not that scary of a place. Yeah. And uh, I I started going there, and then I think after about five years of of going there, I started bringing. People there because at the New York Botanical Gardens they were like, I'd come back, I'd be all excited. I was seeing all these really cool things and drawing these great plants yeah. and animals, and they were like, "Were well, you going to take me?" Well, I, we want to go, you know. So I I put together this art and photography tour,
2: oh, and so last cool. year
0: we didn't go, you know, because of the pandemic. Yeah. But now twenty twenty two, I already have it full with a waiting list. Oh, so wow. people are anxious to to get back. And you do that and one
1: time a year. I am too. You said?
0: I do. I do. I've also taken, uh, an undergraduate class at UF, uh, to, to Costa Rica also. And, you know, I would do more of it, um, because I, I, I just, it's just so much fun. Yeah, You know, I just, I just love doing it. It's, it's just fabulous, you know, and I've, I've gotten to go different places. Like I've taken people to the Galapagos. I've gone, I've taken people to Italy and France. Um, I've taken them to Guatemala, Mm -hmm. uh, Belize, I'm, but I love Costa Rica. I mm-hmm. mean you know, Costa Rica is like my favorite because it's just it. I think it's twenty five percent of their country is um, national park. Oh, so they're very conservation wow. oriented, yeah. and I've met a Didn't lot of um, expats. You know, a lot of Americans are mm-hmm. there that um, have are doing uh, Costa Ricans and and Americans that are doing really good things for conservation and wildlife rehabilitation Mm, so part mm -hmm. of my 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 tour is like behind the scenes and it's actually bringing you know money into um you know releasing animals back into the wild Ah. medical kinds of things and so that's been like super important to me Mm -hmm. as like a you know way so i and i just did um i just did a book with a friend of mine, um, where the wild sloths roam, and it's a poem about two two different types of sloths, oh. and I just did a, that, and we're we're well, struggling neat. a little bit of for self publishing, it. but, mm-hmm. um, so you know, I mean, yeah. I'm just interested in projects like that. Yeah, that's
1: so cool. So, I mean, you do a lot of things. Uh, we talked about uh, a lot of them right just then. Are are you? So you're still teaching at the New York Botanical Garden. Is that right? And where, where's your. Occasionally. Where's your focus right now? Like, what are you, what are you, what are you doing most of right now? I mean, you can't do all these 100 um, things, right? <laughs> or maybe you can, maybe you can. <laughs> I
2: don't know.
0: I don't know. Well, Yeah. Well, you know, what's interesting <laughs> is that I didn't even talk about this, but I've actually been focusing in terms of my own personal work, uh-huh. you know, my own personal, like doing art for myself. Sure. Um is I've become a printmaker.
2: Oh, for and right. I
0: know that that's like, yeah. So, yeah, I, um, oh. about two years ago, just before, like, actually it was two years ago this past weekend, uh-huh. um, a friend of mine, uh, Patricia Wynn, she, she works for the Museum of Natural History in, in Manhattan, mm, mm-hmm. the American Museum of Natural History. Yeah. And we did a project together of, um, it was called the Murder of Corvids. And which a Corvid, not COVID, but Corvid. Uh, corvids are, you know, the crow and raven family. And so um, we each picked six different, and I I picked the tropical ones because they're really colorful. Uh-huh. Like there's the green jay. Yeah. And um, a whole bunch of like really fun. Um, here in Florida, this, the Florida scrub jay. Uh-huh. And so um, I did six birds and she did six birds, but we did them in solar etchings. Hmm. And I hand painted and, and used colored pencil to color the prints. And part of what I thought would be really fun is that, I mean, I love printmaking. I took it in college Mm -hmm. and I haven't done it since college. And I didn't like the fact that you were working with acids, you know, that there was really toxic materials, but now it's, it's, uh, changed and working with solar, uh, there's like a polymer coating that goes over a a, a plate. Oh wow! And uh, I bought it. I I had this show with her, and I sold enough of my prints to buy an etching press.
2: Mm, mm-hmm.
0: And so now I have an etching press, and uh, I've just started doing that. So I'm sort of focusing. I went to Vermont this summer and learned more about the process. It's called photogravar. So I do original drawings, mm. and I scan them into the computer. I convert them to black and white. Mm-hmm. And then we make the plates and then I print them and then I hand color them. Mm, mm -hmm. So I'm running like editions of them. And I, and I think that, you know, part of that is I'm trying to make art affordable for people, Mm. (laughs) you know, I, I'm an artist and I, I would love to have art, but can I afford a $5,000 painting? No. Maybe one <laughs> you know but then I'd be tapped out, you know, so I feel like you know the price range of like three hundred dollars and under is something that I could buy a lot of, yeah, you know i could buy I could buy art from other other artists, yeah. and I do, and um you know that that kind of thing, but you know i, I have not been I've not found that I've been able to spend like more than five hundred dollars on something, and it kind of makes me sad because I feel like um. You know, I love art and I love to support other artists. And I found that printmakers, you know, I I buy a lot of prints Mm -hmm. from from printmakers uh, because they are affordable. And it gives the artists the opportunity to create an edition that's all hand done. Right. So you're still, and it's, it's a traditional medium. Yeah. With the contemporary twist, that's kind of cool. And so that that's been my focus yeah. lately. And I and I am using watercolor and colored pencils within my, with within my work. So
1: how much do you sell those for? Like around three hundred or something? Or
0: well, it's, if they're framed, yeah, they, they'll go for three hundred. Okay. But yeah. um, you know, they go from anywhere. Like just a, a regular, like black and white, would right. be like seventy five. But, but with the black and you white.
1: I mean, you're that's. I mean, that's all reproduced, right? I mean. You're talking about doing something on top, like painting on top, or using colored pencil, no, or
0: I'm, both. I'm talking about I'm talking about taking a plate, yeah, that's been etched, yeah, putting ink on the top of it, wiping that off, mm-hmm. running it through by hand. It's oh, not, not printing.
1: Gotcha. It. Okay. Gotcha. We're
0: talking about an etching. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The different. So now that. And each one of those is hand pulled.
1: Uh And then you're doing something on top of that too, right? You're adding color on top of that. So now
0: you have a black and white, yeah, you have a black and white image. Okay. And then you can leave it black and white if you want, or you can hand tint
1: it. That is so So neat. So
0: I, I, I hand tint them. It's just like, it's like hand tinting the photograph, but the process, you know, it's almost like kind of the equivalency of doing a darkroom, you know, I mean, like you but the 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 printing press, um, you know, there's a pressure, there's a plate, and the plate only has a certain shelf life, you know, meaning that as it's being it's being rolled in between yeah. a steel pressed down right. to impress that image into so
1: that breaks plate. down over time. And so I guess it breaks yeah. down,
0: exactly. Yeah. So it makes it kind of a collector type item yeah. because
1: well it's a limited it's not quantity. Like I'd press, it has to be, yeah. Right. Yeah.
0: And I'm not pressing my Epson. in. You know, and there's like 50,000 copies of it. There's a limited amount. And I would say that the plate, you know, goes like 30 to maybe 50 is how many you're going to get off of that.
1: How, how, so how long does that take to, uh, to create that plate Um, when you're initially. The plate
0: doesn't, it's really the drawing that takes time. You do that
1: drawing, it may take 10 to 30, 50 hours or more Then you're creating that plate. Uh and that part didn't take long, huh? And then not at all. Okay. No. And then no. there's I mean, the, the reproducible. Plate, the,
0: yeah, the plate is done, you know, in a matter of hours. Gotcha.
2: You okay. know, I
0: mean in you know, because what you're doing is your, is is the the plate itself is it's a it's a polymer plate mm-hmm. that has a coating over it that's light sensitive.
1: Okay. Okay. So, yeah.
0: what you're doing is you're you're creating almost like silk screen yeah. like a blocking right. or a negative kind of thing. Right. But this is a direct to plate. So, what's happening is it does go through a printer, but the printer prints black ink onto the polymer plate, and then the polymer plate is subjected to light, and then that etches or burns it into whereas normally the traditional old style method was that you would draw on the plate or you would etch on the plate ah, with a tool and scratch gotcha. into a metal plate. Yeah. Whereas, and I never like that because if you make a mistake or you don't it's like there. something, like trying to, it's yeah. kind of there. So, you know, I take all huh. the time I want in my drawings. Right, right. You know, and I get the drawings exactly the way I want them. And then mm. I scan them. I convert them into black and white. Hmm. And then the plate is created. Yeah. And now I have a plate that I can now, you know, I can send manually, you know, I have to ink every single image. Yeah. So, you know, if I'm gonna run 30 or 50, yeah, I have to do that. And I don't do them all at once. Yeah. You know, I have not I've not sat down and done an edition, you know, but normally it could take me any depending on how big the plate is, mm-hmm. it could take me anywhere from, you know, a half an hour to an hour to print one print. Mm-hmm. And then I have to I have to actually like wait and then I have to hand tint it, which will take me another
1: another time.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, hmm.
1: very cool. So, what what is uh can, if I had to nail you down and say, hmm. what does a typical day for Mindy look like?
2: <laughs> do you have a <laughs> typical day?
1: You you're so multi passionate about so many things, and you you do so many things. What? Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, you know, people always say that, like, oh, my gosh, you do so much. And I always think I don't do enough. You know, I'm kind of like, (laughs) oh, you know, like, I just don't do enough. I wish the day was longer. I wish I had more energy. I wish I could do this. Well, we all feel like
1: that, I think, you know, I mean, I don't know. Um, Yeah.
0: You know, it's interesting because people will, you know, will say to me something about um, my husband is retired. So I live in a retirement community. And it's interesting because, you know, they'll say something like, well, where's Mindy? Oh, she's working. She works. You know, my husband would be like, yeah, she works. And they're like, and they, they kind of look at, they kind of, even they'll look at me and they'll be like, oh, you poor thing. You still have to work. Oh, <laughs> you know, know I you like, love your work. <laughs> I said, I said, well, I said, I said, I, I said, what will happen is either I'm dead.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. Or. Something catastrophic has happened to me yeah. that I'm unable to do it. Yeah, that's and and they yeah, kind of look at me like, yeah. huh? Yeah. You know, and I said, obviously you do not you did whatever you did in your lifetime, you didn't, you didn't like it. love.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because
0: if you loved what I what you're doing yeah. as much as I love what I'm doing, yeah. you would never retire because yeah. that would be like your life is, you know, like you just look at it as like. There's no more. It is and that's who you are. Why, you know,
1: it's you. Yeah, it's an and, and I think that's.
0: A, yeah, and that's why I keep growing and learning mm-hmm. and changing. Mm-hmm. So you know, I mean, I've gone from you know crayons to spinning wheels to right. you know, right. and now I'm I'm kind of focused on doing printmaking. But you know, I mean, I do watercolor, I do color pencil, I do pastel, mm-hmm. I do you know pen and ink. Right. Um. Right. You know, I have clients that I that I you know I only strictly do pen and ink work for. Um, and depending on what's on my plate, you know, in terms of, of clients that I have work that I have to do and I'm designing courses for people, I'm just going to do a a new course starting next Thursday, uh, in painting and gouache.
2: Mm, mm
0: -hmm. And so we're going to be doing a gouache, six week gouache, uh, online zoom class. And, you know, my, my feeling is that, um, you know, a typical day for me is I wake up and Monday. Wednesday, Friday, and Sunday, I play pickleball. (laughs) So, you know, I'm a pickleball player. So I go out and I play for a couple of hours. So I I get exercise Yeah. on Tuesdays and Thursdays. I do yoga in the middle of the day. Yeah. You know, so after we're done here, I'm going to go to a yoga class. I ride my bicycle on Saturdays and I take my camera out to go birding and capture wildlife Uh on my bicycle. Um, you know, so I'm always active in terms of doing something physical. And then like after dinner, I go out and weed my garden Mm, because it's mm -hmm. too hot here in Florida. Mm -hmm. Uh, and all the other times I'm either teaching or working with my students or I'm creating my art. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I have drawing table in the living room. Mm -hmm. So during football season, my husband is not like, you know, all by himself screaming at the TV. Right. I'm there (laughs) screaming with him. So... So, you know, I, I happen to do, I do a lot of colored pencil work, uh, in the winter time because the, the, the space that I have is relatively small. So it's like, I don't have to worry about, you know, oh, paintbrushes right. and paint all over the place. Um, but you know, I, I mean, I do, I have, I have three separate rooms. I have one small bedroom where I'm sitting right now. Mm-hmm where I do all of my filming and I do, you know, my computer work. And then I have a framing printmaking studio in the other bedroom. Mm -hmm. And then I have a drawing table that's out there. So I'm, you know, I, I used to have a huge space. Mm -hmm. Um, and then we moved and downsized. So Mm -hmm. I'm, you know, I'm in bedrooms. Yeah. Um, and I've got art, you know, in closets and up. (laughs) It's like everywhere. (laughs) Um, I just, I drove down to, to West Palm beach, um, on Tuesday Because I had a a show down there, so I had to pick work up. So that day was only spent, you know, six hours in the car, three hours there, and three hours back. So you know, my day, every single day, is different. You know, in terms of what I do, but I'm doing something every single day. And you know, I when when somebody said to me, "Well, how how many days a week do you work?" I was like seven. Yeah, and they 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 just they kind of look at me like, "Oh, I'm so sorry," and I'm like, "I am so happy." Yeah, I you know. I, yeah. I wish that I had more energy.
2: Right, right.
1: Well, yeah, and when you're do when you're when you're working on something you love and you're working for yourself, um you kind of have that second wind anyway <laughs> because it's it's stuff you love, but it's also um I don't know. The the day just to for me anyway, the days just go by so quickly. By the time it's evening, mm-hmm. I'm like Well, I thought I was going to like stop at noon today just to give myself a break, but that didn't happen, you know, but I don't look back with regret. Yeah. Either. But yeah.
0: Um, Yeah. You know, and I think that always having been self-employed, you know, I've always been self-employed. I mean, when I worked for the New York Botanical Gardens, I only worked there two days a week. Oh,
1: gotcha. You know,
0: and so it was, and again, I was a private contractor, so Uh I was not getting paid like a salary. I've never like that's the, that's the downside. When I have students come to me and they say to me like, oh, I want your life, you know, cause like, uh, you know, I would be in the, when I lived up, up North, mm-hmm. I used to be a pretty avid rollerblader. I used to go out and rollerblade oh, like yeah. every day. I would yeah. go to the gym and then I'd go rollerblading. Right. And now living in Florida, is just too hot. Yeah. And I was like, God forbid I fall and break my wrist. Yeah. Right. You know? Right. <laughs> so yeah. I, I kind of stopped rollerblading, but I was, you know, I was pretty heavy into, into rollerblading. And, you know, it was kind of like well, you have the life of Riley, you know, you get to go out and you get to go rollerblading. You don't really work. I'm like, I'm working 80 hours a week.
2: Yeah, you know, exactly. Like give me a break, you yeah. know,
0: that like you, you don't, you know, I'm working after dinner. I'm up at six o'clock in the morning and I'm, you know, I'm working in the night. Right, right. I always found that it was important to get away, like step away from the studio and go do something.
1: Absolutely. Just to clear my mind. Absolutely. Clear my mind. And I love and going and take taking nature my, walks. I mean, I got to get away from it sometimes. Yeah. yeah. No. Absolutely. Agree yeah. So
0: that, you know, that's really important. So my day is broken up. Yeah. Right. You know, right. and and there's times when, you know, um I will devote like let's, like let's say for instance if I'm going to do a printmaking or I'm actually going to print, I want to I will just block off a day for printmaking mm-hmm. because I have mm-hmm. to set the studio up. Yeah. I've got to get the print, you know, printing going and I also have to break the studio down so when i when i have to clean the plates the plates have to be done with like a solvent Mm, mm -hmm. and you know it's messy and it stinks and i don't want to do that i don't want to i don't want to create two prints and then have to make a clean up all that mess right you know the ink because it's oil-based so you know maybe that day i don't you know i try to make it on a day where you know but i have to plan for it i can't just be like okay today i'm going to print
1: so let's yeah no i think i think there's uh several uh probably in our audience today listening that uh can totally relate to um you know they're artists and uh, yeah we do work a lot uh but you know we love what we do (laughs) so it doesn't it's not you know it's not like working for when i worked a corporate job it was just like we would joke sometimes about um you know some that were there that uh that kind of felt like they were on corporate welfare, you know, I mean, it's like you're here, but you're kind of checked out, Uh, that kind of thing. Uh, You can get by with that whenever you're not working for yourself, you're not doing something that, you know, you're doing something for someone else. So it's someone else's thing, you know, that kind of thing.
0: Yeah. I tell, you know, when I have students that come to me and they say to me, you know, I want your life, I want to be just
1: like you. I mean, they're,
0: you know, they're like 19 years old and I'm like, you have no idea, like so. Yeah, so I'll say There's things work to them, like, involved. well, <laughs> yeah. So what you what you need to understand is you have two options. You know, if you're going to be an entrepreneur, yeah. You know, and it took me probably like 30 years to figure that out yeah. in my in the middle of my career. Yeah, you're a business person. Yeah, it's not just like you know if you think. That you're just going to be like an artist that's going to get to go out every day and rollerblade or play pickleball or go to yoga and then come home and make a figure, you know, where you are have a living wage and all this kind of stuff. I'm like, you need to think twice about that yeah, because absolutely. there's marketing, there's, you know, there's, there's so much involved. And I said, you know, you, you can also go into a creative job where you work for someone where it's a nine to five job. Yeah. You can be very fulfilled with that. Yeah. But you also have medical benefits. You yeah. also have maybe a 401k right. or a retirement plan. You may have, if you get sick, you have, you know, you have, you have paid vacations. Right. I said, so I've never had anything like that. Yeah. So, you know, trying to, to come up with like, God forbid something were to happen to me, you know, what would I do? Yeah. And so that's been, you know, that's one of the reasons why I've learned to hustle. Yeah. You know, and I, and, and so you know, for a while I was designing dinnerware plates, which I absolutely despised. Mm-hmm. But for every dinnerware plate that I designed, I got $100. Mm. So if I did four of them a week,
2: mm-hmm.
0: that was $400 a week. Right. It was $1,200 a week, right. which paid my rent. Yeah. You know, yeah. and did I hate doing it? Every blessed second, I hated <laughs> doing it. But so I, you know, I found a different stream of income. Yeah. And so yeah, part yeah, of what you're saying that. to me, You know, part of what you're saying to me is like, you know, what's a typical day? It really, it depends on like the stream of income. You know, it depends on what client do I, do I do commission work? Yes. Do I get it all the time? No. Do I have dry spells? Yes. Mm -hmm. Do I have to, you know, so there's a lot of, and I think that, you know, my dad did have a, a really good, uh, point when he said, be a teacher because the teaching has, has become something that a, I really love to do because Mm -hmm. I'm with like-minded people that love the same subject matter. So that's where I become more extroverted than introverted because I'm comfortable talking about the subject matter Mm -hmm. and the people, you know, there's an engagement of, of spontaneously every, all of a sudden there's like passion, Yeah. you know? Um, I remember being in Costa Rica the first time I did my tour. And I was scared to death because I thought, oh, my gosh, you know, I love this. But I'm bringing 14 people into this wilderness area. And what if they hate it? What am I going to do? And there was this huge Saturnid caterpillar that was actually creating. It was going into a cocoon. Mm. And I saw it. And all of us, it was almost like it was this magical moment Mm -hmm. where we all, like, created a circle around this little, you know fat juicy little caterpillar yeah. and we all mystically watched it wow. transform you know and that was where I was like that was to talk about like a defining moment yeah. I was like when you are with like-minded people yeah. it is all worth
1: it oh yeah you know wow. it's yeah. just
0: it's just that there, it was a magical moment so cool, and one that I love sharing yeah. so if I get a chance to make money at the same time like I get to I get paid to take people right right to To do that, I mean, why wouldn't I want to do that? Because <laughs> exactly. I'm just ex- as excited as everybody yeah. else is to to be a part of it. That's so that was so really cool. pretty
1: cool, wow. Let's talk okay. about the materials. so this is a colored pencil podcast. Um so I want to talk <laughs> about the materials that you like to use when you're using colored pencils. What okay. yeah, what um are their favorite pencils or techniques that you like uh anything like that that you can tell us
0: so what's kind of interesting is that this will just sort of go along with my personality i'm all over the place
1: (laughs) i i kind of figured that
0: (laughs) something just you know in the
1: air told me uh, that
0: (laughs) yeah Yeah. you know it's interesting there my mother um she collected shoes You know, I felt like my mother was like the Amelda Marcos of like, you know, she had like four thousand pairs of shoes. And I have she really
1: collected shoes.
0: She really loved shoes. I mean, she as a child, she would go to bed with like a new pair of shoes, (laughs) you know, that kind of thing. And to me, I've like I have a pair of sandals and I have a pair of pickleball sneakers. And then there's a pair of high heels that I won't wear except from the car to the place that we get to, and then I take them off. <laughs> so, so, I, you know, I probably have, like, maybe five pairs of shoes total. Well, you need to look good in the parking only, lot, you know. Yeah, exactly. And then once I get under, my feet are under the table, yeah. off come the shoes. So, but being that said, I probably have, like, 50,000 <laughs> colored pencils. You know, yeah, I mean, I'm yeah. like, so, so everybody has their addiction and, you know, I think art supplies and I always justify, you know, while well, I'm teaching and I need to, yeah. I need to try this new thing out. I need to do this <laughs> right, and do that. Right. So, um, you know, I started out with Prismacolors mm-hmm. and, you know, when I, when I'm teaching a lot of times I will, because I'm teaching with people all over the world, yeah. not just in the United right. States. I think Prisma, Prismacolors are the most universal yeah. So, you know, I've, I've used those pretty extensively yeah. and they were the first pencils that I was introduced right, to, right. Um, you know, a lot of people don't like them cause they're very waxy, mm-hmm. you know, they, and they're very soft mm-hmm. and um, you know, because I learned on them, right. I just found that they were fine. Also they're affordable yeah. and you can buy them as singles, yeah. you know, so affordable. I felt like, yeah. you know, I felt like, okay. So, you know, I, I use them for a very, very long time and right. then other. You know, and then, and I started doing colored pencil, you know, probably 30 years ago Uh when light fastness was not that big of an issue or it was kind of like colored pencil was thought of as a disposable art. Yeah, right. Which now, if you were to say that, you would get like, you know, death daggers. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know. That's right. Because colored pencil has really, really um, stepped up its game. The artists are amazing. And I think that the colored pencil artists... Of community, kind of like beat up on the manufacturers and said, "We yeah. want light fastness." Absolutely, you know this yeah. is ridiculous. So
2: that's exactly um, what happened. You know,
0: I was introduced to Faber Castell, mm-hmm. Faber Castell Polychromos, mm-hmm. um, and then I also uh, Caran d'Ache and Derwin, mm-hmm. and I use watercolor pencils mm-hmm. also. Um, the one, what is the the luminous? I have not used them. Mm. So Not in the,
1: in the Caran d'Ache line, then you use what Pablo's then, or the water soluble? Yeah. Pencil? And oh. also
0: there's, there's, uh, the watercolor pencils, yeah. there's the museum, right. uh, the museum Aquar- quality pencils. Yeah. And I just started using those, um, because I felt that they might help me with my printmaking. Okay. So, so what happens is that you have ink that's sitting on top of paper. Yeah. And the ink is partially absorbed into the paper because when you're, when you do printmaking, you have to wet the paper uh-huh. first. And then you, you have a, so you're not printing on wet paper. You're printing on damp paper okay. so that the ink goes into the paper, but it also will also sit on top of the paper, depending on how dark the value mm-hmm. is. You know, the more, the more dark there is. So, you know, sometimes watercolor doesn't want to sit on the surface. Yeah. And you want to apply color onto a darker image, mm-hmm. and so I'm able to use the watercolor pencils dry, mm-hmm. and then sometimes wet them, and you can get like a wash color mm-hmm. on top, mm-hmm. and that's kind of a cool, fun, Great. fun thing to do. Um, and also, I was, I was, I was curious because they're about five plus dollars a pencil, mm-hmm. so I thought, hmm, you know, are you worth it? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, and, and the other thing is that I, when I teach, I mm-hmm. really strongly recommend that my students do not buy pencils that they cannot buy as singles.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, In it, to open me, stock. It's, yeah. it's,
0: it's, it's, yeah. Open stock yeah. is just super important because, you know, I mean, like I'll tell people if they want to buy a Prismacolor because it's on sale for 120, there's 120 pencils. Right. And it comes out to like 50 cents a pencil and it's much cheaper to buy the big tin. Right. Then I'd be like, if it's a super special, go for it and buy it. Yeah. But there are so many colors in that box mm-hmm. that I just think are just awful. You know, you have these neon colors, which are not light fast. Wh- which, uh, which ones are those? The Prismacolor. Oh,
1: Prismacolor Premier. Yeah. Pri- yeah. Prismacolor. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. You'll get, you
0: know, there'll yeah. be like 120 in the tin. Right. And, or 150 and now there's the,
1: the largest set yeah and yeah
0: yeah and and then there and then there there's all of these you that know you gray use. like 10% yeah. gray uh, yeah. yeah and then you end up with these metallic pencils right, you right. know so they're they're filling in a whole bunch of so you make it like 30 or 40 pencils so yeah. basically you're you never going to use yeah, right. and 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 so it's but it could be cheaper than if you bought you know of them singly so I'm like if you if you see a super sale go for yeah. it yeah but, uh, you know, otherwise yeah. I, I don't, I mean, of course, and there's certain colors that now when I, you know, like for instance, um, indigo blue uh-huh. is, is one of my favorite colors mm-hmm. that I work with. Mm-hmm. Uh, I buy a dozen of them at a time. That's what I do I don't want in to be the without
1: polychromos, <laughs> the indigo yeah. blue. Yeah. And, I love it.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just a color that you don't want, you know, so I can do that. Mm-hmm. I can buy, you know, a dozen of them at a time. Right. I also use Verithin. Mm-hmm. Verithin like is, is Prismacolor's. Yeah, and those are, you know, I consider if you look at like graphite, Mm -hmm. you you know, graphite pencils, you have like a 2H pencil, an HB and a 2B, and the 2B is Prismacolor regular. Mm -hmm. And I look at Polychromos as kind of an HB pencil. Yeah. And then I look at Verithins as a 2H. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly.
0: So I use, I use the Verithins for outlining. they're very
1: hard. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: You know, and I find that those and they they just don't have the saturation of color. They're right. not that vibrant, right. but they give really they take away that that what I call like a crayon look. Yeah, you know that gives you a sharp edge, right? In in
1: your work, absolutely. Um, yeah.
0: and they don't break. You know, no. where prism colors break a lot, and and sometimes I can press pretty hard, and I can I can break a polycolor also. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, yeah, those very so, things are they're, you know, they're extremely hard. Um and yeah. they're, they're nearly indestructible, you know, <laughs> when you're using them. So yeah, they're right. really good. even
0: if you drop them. Yeah. yeah that's Every time right. I drop a colored pencil, it's almost like, you know, a whole string of curse words will come out of my mouth because I'm convinced that I've just broken, yeah. you know, everything and I'm yeah. so pissed off about it. But um, and then, you know, in terms of paper, um, I like Stonehenge. I think Stonehenge is a wonderful colored pencil uh paper yeah. and it comes I i like the craft paper which mm-hmm. is the brown yeah, right. um paper and I also like watercolor paper you know a hot press watercolor yeah. paper so if I'm gonna if I'm gonna use like uh ink tents
2: mm-hmm.
0: so I like the Derwent ink tents
2: mm-hmm.
0: um because a lot of my subjects will be iridescent. You know I love iridescence. Uh, yeah I love flashy bright colors. Yeah. So when I'm dealing with like metallic beetles and right, things like right. that, um I will I will work um with an ink tense and water it down because oh. I want to obliterate, you know, any any part of the paper that's that's coming through yeah. and it's just faster right. and the colors are super vibrant. Um and if I work on you know Stonehenge, I don't think that it takes the water as well as a watercolor paper. No,
2: right. It'll right. tend to
0: buckle a little bit yeah, more. So exactly. Um And then I also work on drafting film, Mm -hmm. you know, and drafting film, um, I really enjoy working on, um, Duralar drafting film. Mm -hmm. It, it allows you to work. So in, in scientific illustration, you, you know, you can have like transparent wings of things. So if you've got like a a dragonfly or you've got a cicada or something like that, and the wings are transparent and the legs are underneath, you can just go work on the back of the of the film yeah. and then it's just and then it's just like oh you know rather than trying to do the leg mm-hmm. and then do the wing on top of it right it always sort of looks like you could make a horrible mess yeah. you know and if you if, <laughs> right and so if you if you do it on the back yeah and you don't like it you just erase yeah. it you know and a lot of times like people will say well color pencil is really hard to erase not on film. not on drafting it erases film. right right Nope, it erases right yeah, off. Yeah. The 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 down part of working on um on film yeah. is that if you're trying to do like big areas of solid color, yeah. it's very streaky and it's very difficult to yeah. do. But you can use pan pastel
2: mm-hmm.
0: or I do layers. Mm-hmm. So I'll put decorative papers behind mm. the, the the work, or I've done things like I did a whole project for the North Carolina aquarium. Mm where they they hired me because it was an outdoor bird boardwalk.
2: Mm-hmm. So
0: they needed outdoor signage, and they gave me a list of 30 birds, and they didn't want it to be like a, a bird guide where, um, you know, it's just like a profile of a bird's head. Yeah. They wanted the bird interacting in its environment. Yeah. They wanted it to look like it was doing something. Ah. And so I I wanted to do it in colored pencil, and I thought, you know, because watercolor, it just would have taken a lot longer. Yeah. And I just felt like the colored pencil would reproduce better. Mm. So I, you know, I had to do like, I had to do a wood duck. Yeah. And the wood duck, you know, so I had the female who was in the nest and then the male was in the water. And then like trying to do water on film was really a pain in the mm. neck. Doing a sky with clouds right. and then, you know, some sort of scenery in the background. So I actually did the whole background scene on paper and then placed
1: it behind there,
0: the film yeah. on top. Yeah. Yeah. And, ah. you know, it was like, so that the bag, it created like an atmospheric fade yeah, right. Where you could see that the, and, and it was, and it, and it took me like two seconds. Whereas if I had tried to have done it, it would have been really yeah awful. You know, I would have seen all these yeah. like, yeah. So, so I think that, you know, depending on the project that I'm working uh-huh. on, it will dictate the type of paper, right. but when I'm doing single insects, I just love working on Duralar. I mean, I just, I just think it's, you know, it's, it's fabulous. Is it, that, it's really That's fun. the
1: one you use a lot of times is Duralar. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. And, it, and, and there's, there's two types. Mm-hmm. There's, there's Duralar, which comes in a pad yeah. and you want to make sure that it's frosted. Yeah. Meaning that it's double frosted, both sides. Yeah.
1: That matte finish um, have, is your tooth on the, on the surface. Yes. You've got to have that tooth on there. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, and, but Duralar in the pad doesn't have as good a tooth. So if you get the drafting film, Mm -hmm. which is on, comes in sheets or in a roll, it's more expensive. Yeah. But you can cut it. Yeah. And you get much greater, more layers, you know. So I, I find that um, I'm just happier with that. And I also use Duralar for pen and ink. Mm -hmm. So when I'm doing, you know, the, the great thing about working, in that is that you have your preliminary drawing Mm -hmm. and then you just, you don't have, there's no transfer method.
1: So you're using Duralar when you want something smaller, maybe, and then drafting film when you want something a little larger. Is that the biggest difference for you in the choice? No?
0: No, no, no. It it, it really has to do with the end result, you know? So, uh, you know, what, what am I, what am I looking for? So, you know, what, what, what's, what's the piece gonna be used for? Mm -hmm. You know, um, so it really will dictate, you know, how I want to, how I want to proceed with it, Okay. you know, and I, I just will kind of, you know, I have a project in mind and then I'll, I'll kind of move forward with it that way.
1: Okay. Okay. You've not tried the, uh, Caran Luminance pencils or you have, or you I just have don't. Not. Oh, you haven't tried them.
0: I haven't. Oh, wow.
1: Okay. Well.
0: And I've been reading about them. So, you yeah, know, you'll, you'll have to give that a maybe. shot.
1: I think you would enjoy them, um, a lot. Awesome. All right. And what about Pablos? Do you use those? For, by Karen Dosh? No. No. Okay.
0: No. I haven't
1: used those. Okay, very cool. All right. Um, so do you use solvent um with colored pencil or not? I don't okay. I do, but I don't like it. You don't it. like it, um, All right.
0: no, but I use what I do like are is the Tombow colorless marker. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, it has a brush tip mm-hmm. on it and then it has like a, a, a pen point mm-hmm. tip yeah. on it. And I like that a lot. I like that a lot because to me it it kind of blends out, whereas the solvents I think are just too messy. You know, I mean, like yeah. I'm trying to get into little itty bitty tiny areas, yeah. you know, and I, I just find that. It it just gets messy. I mean, I I teach that you can use, you know, baby oil and you can use Gamsol and, you know, I've used them. Mm -hmm. But I'm just not, if I have to, you know, if I have, if I've done huge backgrounds, like if I have a a piece that's, let's say, you know, it's 16 by 20, which is, you know, kind of big for me in colored pencil. Right. Oh, yeah. And it's a background, you know, where I want to like do some faded out foliage Mm -hmm. or whatnot. And, you know, I... I will actually put the layers down. I use the, um, I'll use Prismacolor sticks mm-hmm. to do large areas and blending, and then I'll actually take a paper towel, uh, and I'll put a tiny little bit mm. of baby oil right, right. on that. And then I buff it. I buff the whole area yeah. to blend it that way. Uh, and that seems to, to work fairly well. You know, if I have a large area. Right.
1: Now, Mindy mentioned the uh, Prismacolor art sticks. Um, it's like having a block form of like Prismacolor Premier in uh, uh, available to you. But the sad thing is, um, if you if you like that sort of thing, they don't make them anymore. <laughs> I don't know if they ever will they again. Maybe they will, but yeah, they stopped pro- um, production on those. Um, so you have uh, hoarded a set. I do as well. Um <laughs> maybe others have <laughs> okay. as well. I don't I don't I don't really use them. I've used them maybe yeah. a couple times, but um, but yeah, just you something to know. You can use the side of listening. your pencil. Yeah, 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 exactly.
0: Yeah, you can use the side right. of your pencil, Same it kind just of takes effect. a little bit longer. Yeah. 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 Right. But if I have large areas, you know, I will blend that way because the the marker, you know, the Tombow marker yeah. It would take me forever oh, and I right. would get directional, weird, streaky things yeah. on it, you know. so It also
1: changes the color a little bit as well. Yes. Uh, so this is something to keep in mind. So, Mindy, what about the protection of your work? I mean, do you spray your work? Do you place it behind glass or what? Tell me a little bit more about that.
0: Um, you know, I find that if I get a wax bloom, mm-hmm. you know, I'll use a paper towel and I'll buff it. And that, that happens a lot on the, uh, on the film. You know, um, one of the things that we, we talked about is that the, you know, the Duralar doesn't have as many layers in terms of, um, how, how much you can do before it saturates. Right. And so one of the things that I'll do is if I can't get, if I'm trying to get something darker and Mm -hmm. I just can't get it darker because the, the, the film is saturated, whether it's the, the Duralar or the drafting film, Uh either one of them, I actually will take a piece of paper towel and I will buff the surface of it. And then I actually will be able to add more. And a lot of times I'll go on the back of my work and punch up something to make it darker mm-hmm. on the back.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, because it's 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 a translucent material. Right. So it allows me to to get darker. And if I don't like it, I can always erase it. So yeah. that's again another aspect of working on on Dorlar or, you know, on drafting film, which right. is is really helpful. Um I don't ever spray anything onto the film mm-hmm. period mm-hmm. the plastic it just it just is not something that you want to work with right. um i just bought a while ago this like little powdered dusty thing that just kind of like hmm. supposed to blend colored pencil
1: is that powder blender uh, by brush and pencil yeah
0: it's a powder it's a yeah Yes. Okay. That's
1: exactly what it is. <laughs> okay.
0: Yeah. You know, yeah. So I start I, I've kind of used that a little bit, which is kind of interesting. That's not really preserving it, but that's kind of another technique that I've kind of, you know, on, played around. On the film? You're it
1: using any, it on the film?
0: No, no, I was using it on um, paper. Okay, okay um,
1: on Stonehenge or you
0: know. Uh yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And uh, you know, and it that seems to be kind of an interesting thing. Because yeah. I
1: think that one of the, the
0: the concepts for you know, partially one of the issues that a lot of colored pencil people have
2: mm-hmm.
0: is that, oh my gosh, all these layers, you yeah. know, like layer, 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 right. layer, layer, you know, it's forever and it takes yeah. forever. Yeah. And so we're always looking for shortcuts right to, And I think that's one of the reasons why I'll use watercolor pencils yeah. or sometimes I even use watercolor underneath. Yeah. Like I will do a watercolor and then I do color pencil on top and I will layer, you know, between watercolor and color pencil uh-huh. and watercolor pencils back and forth, you know, so you can do that. But I find that as, you know, the, the every time you spray onto the surface of your of your work, it it really I don't know, it alters it. Yeah. Um and I it just it's also it's just toxic y, smelly stuff. So yeah. I you know, I, I usually <laughs> am not true. just just not into to doing that. Yeah. Um I did buy again something that you kind of spray that allows you to to do more on top. So I always tell people, like, if you're going to use like a Krylon or or a fixative or whatever, you want to make sure it's workable.
2: Mm -hmm. So,
0: you know, whatever, whatever you, whatever is underneath the spray that you've put is not coming up.
1: Yeah, right, right. Yeah, it's not coming up. Yeah. So,
0: and it's going to alter slightly what you've got. Mm -hmm. So if you're like super happy with what you've got. Yeah. You may not be happy. And the other thing is that if you are not careful. It spits,
2: you know, yeah, and then it spits a
0: glob onto your drawing and then you're really all that work. And there's some just that are
1: worse than others on that, <laughs> I mean, yes. to be clear. Yes, there, there
0: are. <laughs> so, you know, I normally just will put like a piece of um, archival uh, tissue paper, you know, or, or glycine yeah. on top of a drawing. So if I have, you know, I have flat files where drawings are put in right. to for yeah, for for keeping right, and uh, I just put you know a piece of Last archival tracing of paper yep. or something, yeah, right, right on the surface, you know, just so that sure. there's a barrier between, right. And you know, if there is a, a wax bloom or something, because sometimes you know you'll have where it, like you know two years later there's a wax bloom where mm-hmm. it wasn't mm-hmm. there mm-hmm. when you finished it. I just buff it, and it, it you know it, it comes right off. Yeah, um, you know, in terms of framing, yeah, um, the work that's it's it's kind of interesting because um. I'm getting tired of framing. I do all my own framing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when I do an exhibition, the I one of the, you know, things that I advise people is if you're going to exhibit your work and you have a show that's coming up or something, you know that you're going to start exhibiting your work. Right. You want to exhibit your work in the future. Right. My suggestion is that you find standard frames. Mm-hmm. You know, find standard frame sizes mm-hmm. and do your work to the standard frame size. Mm-hmm. Now, at first, I thought that that would be very constricting. And I was like, well, I want to do what I want to do. And I don't want to be bothered. Mm-hmm. You know, I just want to create. I just want to make art. Mm-hmm. I don't want to have to fit it into this this format. Yeah. Until I did a show where I had to custom frame some work. And yeah. there was a, a big, huge butterfly that I had done. that was a full sheet of Stonehenge mm-hmm. paper. It was a full sheet mm-hmm. and it cost me $200 for the mat. Yeah. I'm not talking about the frame yeah. or the glass or anything. Right. And I was custom like,
2: mat. yeah,
0: it was a custom mat Yeah, and the amount of money that it cost me, you know, there was no way that even if I had sold, you know, yeah. half of everything in the show <laughs> that I would have made the money back that I, that I put into that. So, and I also know that, you know, when I exhibit my work, you know, it'll go to Chicago or it'll mm-hmm. go to Florida, or will go to New Jersey, or go whatever, right. I pop things in and out of frames and I reuse them. Yeah. So if I have things that are standard that are going to work, you know, I don't have to keep, I have an inventory of frames. I have a simple framing system that I do.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And so, you know, I'll do that. And now I'm actually looking at creating, this is where spraying does come in. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at spraying with a, what I'm doing is I'm taking and I've been doing this with watercolors successfully. I'm mounting my paintings onto a wood panel,
2: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> and then I'm spraying the top of it and then waxing them. And I I have not oh. actually I, I I'm going to try and do that with a with a colored pencil piece waxing them. and see what happens. Yeah,
1: what kind of wax are you using? What is that?
0: It, it's um I I'm not exactly sure what it's called.
1: Okay. So typically though, you're not uh, spraying with like a UV protection spray. On a paper pe- um, work before yeah, you it's frame a it? Yeah,
0: varnish. I mean, yeah, just, no, just well, I the mean, circuit.
1: I mean, even before oh. that, I mean, like, uh, not this new process you're talking about, but I mean, just like Stonehenge piece. No. You're not doing a UV no. protection spray on it. Okay.
0: No, okay. no. Maybe I should be, but I, okay. I haven't. Okay. Um, uh, I
1: know, it, I just, Well, it helps, uh, I mean, if you're working in Prismacolor Premier a lot, it helps uh, because it cuts down. On the wax bloom, quite a bit, also. Oh, okay. Uh, When you do that, yeah. Uh, Very, I'm very interested in this new process. I can't wait to see what you find out if uh, using that on colored pencil is going to be something you like. That's kind of cool. Yeah,
0: because it, because, you know, the thing is that, you know, when you ship artwork, Mm. they want it, they want plexiglass.
1: Right, right. Yeah. You know,
0: because A, it's acrylic, it's, it's lighter weight. Yeah and it also but it scratches yeah it it scratches so easily and you know it's like framing unframing Mm -hmm. so i just found that you know um if you have a wood panel
2: Mm -hmm.
0: and they sell you know dick blick has his own brand Mm -hmm. and and you know and then there's um ampersand and there's all these different wood panels that you, you can work on and you know my my feeling is that if you can eliminate the need for the for the glass and the framing Mm
2: -hmm. you know
0: you can have someone who has a piece of art that's ready to hang on the wall yeah and you know if you after you spray the varnish on the surface of it i use a satin matte Mm -hmm. finish and then you can take this wax and it's just like it's just like it's just like you've waxed a piece of furniture you know you're putting like a protective coating over the top of it right um and i paint the edges you know i paint the side and then you could if you bought the piece of artwork and you really liked it, mm-hmm. you could then take it to a frame or you could get, you know, where you have like a floating frame and yeah. you, you could actually put a frame around it right? or you could just literally hang it on your hang wall it right, right there, there. on the wall, yeah. Yeah, and I don't have to worry about about the the framing, you know, yeah, aspect of it. Yeah, that's kind of
1: cool. And you had that cradled yeah. uh kind of uh, board or frame behind the wood wood uh, piece, right. you know, you could right. exactly. that's an
0: option too. Exactly.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So, Very I mean, cool. I'm,
0: I'm experimenting with things because as like I said, I, you know, I just have gotten to the point where, you know, I, I frame everything, yeah. you know, I mean, <laughs> I, I cut all my own mats. I cut, you know, the only thing that's I don't do is work. cut glass, yeah. yeah you know, I yeah. don't cut glass uh, yeah. or I don't cut flexiglass, right, but right. that's where the standard frames have come in mm. and been such a yep. huge time and money saver for me. Right. Um, because, and I have like maybe four or five different sizes, so Mm -hmm. it's not like, you know, I'm stuck. And of course you can go vertical or you can go horizontal. Mm -hmm. So it's not like, you know, if you have a a 20 by 24 inch frame, Mm -hmm. it could be 24 by 20, Mm -hmm. you know, so now you have a landscape. So it, (laughs) it, to me. I, I felt like in the very beginning that I was stifling creativity, but you and just weren't realized, thinking
1: um, enough about that in uh, process there with framing. Is yeah, really well, I wasn't thinking
0: was. about my wallet. Yeah, <laughs>
1: <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, it really doesn't take that much more effort to put into it to. To give it a little more forethought and just think, okay, what am I going to do with this once it's done?
0: Right. Well, yeah. now it's a design challenge. You know, exactly. I look at it as it's yeah. a design challenge right. and, you know, if you like, if you like like a long, narrow, mm-hmm. so then make one of your, make one of your, um, standard sizes mm-hmm. be 10 by 20,
2: mm-hmm. Right. you know what right. I'm saying? And yep. then
0: you still have your mat cut, you still have your frames, you still have your whatever. Yeah. yeah. And just know that if you want to have a weird size, you can do that. I mean, you know, if you're first starting out, you know, you might even just want to go like to a Hobby Lobby or, Mm -hmm. you know, a place where they sell ready-made frames. Um, I actually would recommend Frame Destinations, which is an online framing company. I don't know that one. They're fantastic. Um, I use them a lot and I I highly recommend them. Okay. Uh, They will cut a mat for you. They will do the... um, they will they will give you the glazing. They will give you the Very screw, the D-rings yeah. on the back. And they have a whole bunch of different frames. So what I've started doing is buying my frames from them. Oh, neat. Where I have standard yeah. size frames. Yeah. And then I, I still cut my own mats because I think I bought like, you know, $4,000 worth of <laughs> mat boards. So yeah. I'm like I'm going to use it until it's gone. <laughs> right, right. Um, but you can actually, they'll, they'll they'll double mat or single mat oh, so uh, cool. for you. Yeah. And um you know they have a really nice, and they're really efficient. When you get the when you get your your frames uh, yeah. from them, um, you know it looks like you know like a professional mover. It's like wrapped to the hilt. You do know, oh think, yeah, wow. You know it's packing really super. Eggs here. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, they are packing eggs, and they do a great job. So I, you nice. know, do, I highly recommend them. Very
1: cool. Well, yeah, thanks for that recommendation. I love it. All right. Oh, wow. We've, we have covered a lot. I love this. You, you have been just (laughs) so generous in talking about so many of these different things. I I love it. This is so inspirational. So, uh, anything else, Mindy, that we have not covered? I wanted to ask you a little bit about advice before we go, but what do you think anything else before we move into that? Mm, No,
0: I mean, not really. I mean, I, I don't
1: know. <laughs> I mean, you could probably give us some really mean pickleball tips, I'm sure. but
0: uh. I could, I could. But then I'd be giving away really important secrets, yeah. which I'm not, you know.
2: You got to pay Whatever for that. you want to know
0: about art, but I'm not telling you my pickleball That's secrets. That's
1: right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, too funny. All right. So when you got some advice, you said that it was go back to the fundamentals. I mean, that that was the advice you were given. Go back to mm-hmm. the fundamentals. Is there... Mm-hmm. You know, all the things you know now, the things you've done, is there any advice you would give uh, a new artist starting out? And then I want to ask you about advice you would give to someone who perhaps is a little more seasoned.
0: I almost would say that the beginner is is the easier yeah. of the two. Right. Um, if you're beginning, I think that any a lot of people. I'm not going to say you know. I'm not going to be general and say everybody, yeah. but a lot of people are very anxious to get to color.
2: Yeah, right. You know,
0: they're very anxious to do things in color, particularly like water. People that wanted to like in the botanical world, a lot of it is 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 done in watercolor. So yeah. people are anxious to get to watercolor, but they can't draw. You right, know, right. so what ends up happening is they have all this this issues of like water. You know, how much paint, how much water, color mixing. There's this huge amount. And so you know, my feeling is that if you don't understand structure and form, mm-hmm. you know you're really going to struggle. yeah, it's going to be difficult. so you know my my suggestion is to to really learn to draw, yeah, and I think that there is a huge, huge, huge problem with the fact that you know we have iPads and we have we, everybody has now access to taking a picture mm. and tracing it. Mm-hmm. Everybody is tracing photographs mm-hmm. and I'm not saying that that is horrible Mm -hmm. and I'm not saying that you're wrong for doing it. Mm -hmm. So please don't, please don't, you know, take it that I'm like, oh, if you do it, you're a horrible artist or you'll never be an artist or whatever. But there are faults within photography, right? you know, there are, uh, there's, there's aspects of, 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 uh, depth of field. Mm -hmm. There's distortion. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of things that can, can create a problem when you're working from a
1: photograph. Yeah.
0: And the thing is that uh, particularly, you know, like when I go to Costa Rica and I'm I'm training people, you know, everybody's taking pictures and that's fabulous. But the way that I do my photography is very different from the way other people do. Like if you go on a trip and you take a picture, you're taking a picture to capture your experience. I'm taking a picture to capture details. (laughs) So, you know, if I am I if I'm somewhere and I see a sloth. You Mm -hmm. know, I'm taking a picture of its nose. Yeah. I'm taking a picture of how its elbow and the hair comes off on a drip tip.
2: Right. I'm looking
0: at its, you know, the little nub for the tail by its butt. Right. I'm looking (laughs) at the eye. I'm trying to find the ear. You know, so my pictures are all research oriented opposed to I'm going to draw from this picture. Uh Uh-huh. And then the underlying part of it is no understanding anatomy. So. If you understand the anatomy of an animal or a plant or a human being mm-hmm, or whatever, and mm-hmm. you understand that structure, you're going to be so much better that you can extrapolate from your photography what you need. Right. But if you're only relying on what the camera has captured, yeah. then there are, there are going to be issues with distortion. right? And so, you know, my feeling is that photography is a great backup, mm-hmm. but it's not a replacement for Learning
1: to draw, right, right.
0: So you know, and then the other, the other flip side of the coin is that if you are, if you're going to just copy photographs, then you, then you, to me, you go into the category of being a photo realist, Mm
2: -hmm. and there,
0: and that's a different animal. Then you are, you know, I I went and I took a a a course with a with a, a, a an artist, and we were doing orchids. Mm-hmm. And I spent I went to because here in Florida, we have a, you know, a lot of orchids. Right. And I went to an orchid place and I bought the orchids, and I was drawing them. i I spent probably, you know, two weeks drawing orchids before I even went to the workshop because mm-hmm. I wanted to learn the technique of painting and not the technique of drawing. yeah, I, you know, I know how to draw right. And I wanted to have good drawings so that I could come in and learn the technique of painting right. And when I got there, everybody was given exactly the same photograph mm-hmm. of a phalaenopsis, which is something that you, you could easily get at Home Depot.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Right. And I was kind of like, and the middle section of the pistols and the stamen, the, the area of the anatomical, they were out of focus.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: I and I said to her, well, you know, she said, just copy what you see. And I said, well, you know, again, my training is accuracy and dissection and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So I said, well, it's out of focus. You know, she said, well, let's just paint it that way. And then I said to her, yeah, I was like, it was
2: like uh, but uh, uh, you know, because here
0: she's the teacher and I'm also a teacher, yeah. and so yeah. I didn't want to be condescending. Yeah, yeah, I didn't, right, you know, right. I mean, this was her class, whatever. Yeah. And I said something to her about so I said, "But you're, you're telling me to paint something that's out of focus." Yeah, and she said, "Yes," and she said, "This is this is photorealism," and I was like, "And it and the, and the course was not dubbed as photorealism," yeah. so I was coming in it from a scientific point of yeah. view where I was looking that everything would be in focus and every part would be in the exact place it was supposed to be. Little and all that switcheroo kind
1: of stuff. there on you. Huh?
0: <laughs> it really, yeah, kind of like upset my apple cart, right. you know, and, and I, you know, and I said, I said to her, I said, so you're doing, you're doing photorealism? And she said, yes. And I said to her, oh, I said, I, I wasn't aware of that. I said, why would you, why? she said, because it sells.
2: Oh,
1: she
0: felt that or people does were looking. It. <laughs> well, yeah. you know from her point of view from yeah. her you know for her figure she was she was you know, she's making money it, I on guess. it. Yes,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, and so you know and the thing is that there's nothing wrong with it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, oh, yeah. when I right. I you know photorealism is 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 an art. It's you a category, know, my, yeah. My, yeah. Absolutely, right. and you know what? It takes a lot of hard work to yeah. get something to look the same as a photograph. Yeah, you know, part of my feeling is that if I could take a photograph, why do I want to spend a hundred hours recreating the photograph? Yeah, but that, yeah, that's my opinion, right. and you know, but that's not necessarily, you know, how well, other. Well, it's people also feel. not
1: necessarily what they're doing, but I, I get the sentiment. Right. I understand what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. And so, and as I said, like with my photographs, I'm extrapolating details. Yeah. You know, but right. but at the same time, so like if I'm taking something, if I'm taking a picture of something yeah. and it's from different angles and viewpoints, I can't just morph that into something and like have one eyeball, you know, right. or off to the left. You know, what I mean, like <laughs> you know, the the nose is down and the yeah. head, you know, so that, so Another if I don't Picasso, understand. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. If I don't understand the anatomy of something. Yeah. So that's where, again, the, the foundation drawing, the underlying yes. structure of something comes in is just really important. So, Absolutely. you know, to make a to make a long winded thing about my recommendation. No, I love it.
1: I love it. Uh, because it's because what you're talking about is, you know, we have replaced in many cases fundamentals with techniques. And that's essentially what you're doing when you're saying, okay, we're going to learn photorealism. You draw what you see here, uh, that out of focus area, you know. Yeah, Mm -hmm. you're not understanding what you're drawing. You're just drawing what you see. And marry those two together and you're a more proficient artist. You're able to execute with confidence a lot more. No, I love that answer. That's so good. Um, yeah and I I mm-hmm. agree with
0: that because I think that you know even when I have students that are art students that come to me and they say right you know like or even in my in my in my uh, scientific illustration class they'll ask me if they can do it computer generated and my answer is no
2: mm-hmm. I
0: want you to this is this is not a computer class mm-hmm. this is a hands on drawing class yep. and you have to draw everything by hand but I, and what I tell them you know particularly students that are coming in that are young young people uh, that want to yep. go into the art field I said if you can draw And you have graphic computer skills, you are far ahead of the person that could only just do computer work.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's their competitors, typically, I would think, uh, a a modern um, curriculum in graphic arts. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And then you, you asked me about students that, you know, or, or artists who are already, yeah, let's, you know, let's in the mid- let's mid-stream. say somebody
1: has been, um, you know, working in uh, a particular medium, say colored pencil, just grabbing that out of the air. Um, <laughs> and uh, they, they maybe have only been drawing uh, for maybe four years or something like that. But, you know, maybe they're not quite advanced, but they're wanting to advance to some next level maybe they feel stuck right well
0: you know i think if you're an artist and you're about to embark into what i'd call like rather than a dabbler and someone who's 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 trying to shift into being professional right you know um there you know there there's there's a time where you're really considering yourself a student yeah and you stop and you're you're not really thinking of yourself as an artist yeah you know or like i just dabble or you know yeah. or whatever and there are people who are dabblers who are professional but they don't realize it you know really, they are yeah, not exactly they're not necessarily i mean their their skill level and their expertise is really high but they they right. just haven't necessarily you know like well i only do it for myself yeah
2: you know kind right. of thing
0: there are people that only do that if you if you want to start you know putting yourself out there mm-hmm. um you know my my suggestion is to start local mm mm-hmm. mhm You know, um, there's a lot of like, there's, there's juried art and there's Mm -hmm. cafe press, there's, you know, places where you could look up for subject matter for, you know, but then you're starting to ship things and, you know, you're getting into, if you can belong to a local or art organization that has local shows. Yeah. And start doing it. The other thing that I would also say to people that are just starting out is do not underprice your work yeah. because you want to sell it.
1: Right, right. That
0: is one of the things that you hurt yourself and you hurt everybody. I mean, like, you don't have to put like a million dollars on it. No, but, right. You know, when you think about the time that you, that you framed something and the amount of hours that you've spent creating it. Right. You know, your supplies may only be like, you know, in terms of your paper and your pencils, you right. might have, you know, $10 invested in something. Your frame is, you know, frame and all that kind of stuff is is more expensive. But if you look at it and you really want to be professional, if a gallery were to show your work mm-hmm. or you were to get it into a show, yeah. they are going to take 50%. Yeah. Often so let's case. say, you know, let's say you, you price it at $100. Well, already you're getting 50 bucks. Mm -hmm. That's all you're getting. Mm -hmm. And if you shipped it, they're not paying for the shipping and they're not paying for if it doesn't sell. Mm -hmm. So that costs you another $20 each way. So it's $40. It's not feasible. So now you have 10. Right. Now you've got 10 bucks. you know that so and if you did sell it you you only have 30 bucks and how much did the frame cost how much time you're not even getting like two cents an hour Yeah,
1: you'd like to eat you know, you
0: know? So, <laughs> yeah, yeah well, you would like to you know the thing is like and i hear i hear artists all the time say well you know i just want to get enough money so that i can buy support my habit and all yeah, to buy yeah. my, you know some supplies right. and stuff like that well you know what you do. What they don't realize is that they put people in our position who are professionals. You know, at a disadvantage because why should I buy John's painting for two thousand when I could get you know Sally's painting for two hundred? Right. Sally's a really good artist, so you know yeah, I'm yeah. going to buy it because hurts you know, the entire market.
1: What you're saying, huh? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It
0: hurts all of us yeah. because you know. You know, there shouldn't be this struggling artist. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, and I look at, I also look at it as like when people say to you, you know, can you, can you do better? Like in terms of pricing and stuff mm-hmm. like that? Well, you know what? If I have a brother-in-law or a relative or whatever, who's an auto mechanic and I need a transmission for my car, right. I'm not going <laughs> to go to my, to my, to this guy and say, can you put a transmission in my car for free? Yeah. <laughs>
2: right.
0: You know, I mean, if he chooses to knock off something for me, that, that might be nice. But you know what? If I have to pay someone, I'd rather pay somebody that I care about. Yeah. I'd rather give the thousand dollars to my nephew than, you know, some guy who I have never met and I don't even know what kind of a job he's going to do for me. So, you know, so, you know, my feeling is like, respect yourself as an artist, you know, and and respect other artists in terms of how Uh, you price your work. Right. And don't undersell yourself. Yeah. You put a lot of hard time and effort. At the same time, don't overprice yourself. So you have to do some research. So when yeah. you're at that place, you do some research. If you're entering shows and you're not getting into them, one of the hardest things is to go to that show and, and see what's there.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: You know, but I it, mean, like, tumbling, is it a bunch
1: of. And, it, and it, it, it's a dose of reality when you do that. Yes. Yeah.
0: But you know what there are times like so for instance I was rejected from from some some shows and I went and I realized that my work is very bright, it's very big. It, at the time I was painting huge tropical flowers oh. that were like big and flashy and bright. Yeah. And everything else was like tiny and quiet and petite. <laughs> you know, and mine would have been like screaming yeah. on the wall. <laughs> You know, like, look at me, you know, everybody else was like, you know, come over here and look with a magnifying glass and look at how precious I am. Whereas mine was like, I'm over here, you know, screaming. (laughs) And so, you know, my, my pieces didn't belong there.
2: Mm -hmm. In that show. So I
0: realized, you know, I like research who's the juror, Mm -hmm. go and find out what did get accepted. If you go there, be honest with yourself. Is it because the quality of your work just isn't at the height that it should be, Mm -hmm. you know, or was it too good? Maybe your work was too good for the show. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean a lot of times jurors don't give you, they don't tell you. So yeah. I think that, you know, as as an emerging artist or even as a seasoned mm-hmm. artist, you have to be honest with yourself. Yeah. You have to really, you know, self-evaluate. I'm not talking about being so critical that you never paint again, but you know, just be honest with yourself and try and figure out and also be true to yourself. Yeah. Don't start That's painting to get into a prestigious you know, show, unless that's the direction that you really want to go in, Yeah, you know, like don't, don't paint something that really is not your subject matter just because you want to
1: prove that you can get into it, but you hate.
2: Yeah. Well, I don't know about You you
1: about rejection or anything, but I mean, every time I've been rejected, it was because my art was just too good. It was, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> totally kidding. Yeah, mine was mine was too <laughs> I'm totally kidding. <laughs> it, I, I've never heard that one, but I love that one, Mindy. I'm gonna I'm gonna cling to that yeah. next time I get rejected. Be like, it was probably yeah, I mean, too good po- it's for that show.
0: <laughs> it's probably no, it's it's certainly possible. Oh, or yeah, yeah I, know, I get times your point there's with
2: times, it. It's, it's just there's fun. times
0: when I've gotten into a show and I've gone to the show and my work is too good for the show, yeah. and it's almost like oh, like, you know what I mean? Like, (laughs) like, I I wish I hadn't entered this show. You know what I'm saying? Right. Cause then it devalues
1: your work. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, You know, I mean, in, in, in my local area, there's been some places, you know, where I I've shown my work and when I get there, I was just like, oh dear. And those people are kind of falling into the, well, you know, they're selling it for, I actually had an insult. Um, I, I put, my work into a local show Mm -hmm. not knowing anything about it and the price tag was two thousand dollars and the 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 person actually called me on the phone who do you think you are putting a price tag like that on your work they said that to you you know and i was like uh you you're never going to get that price especially not here and i said well i said obviously i'm coming to pick up my work (laughs) yeah i said obviously you don't know me um, i said i've been a professional artist i said i come from the new york metropolitan area I'm sorry but that's not
1: just some kind of astronomical number either $2, yeah i know dollars. well so but well, like, when
0: i got there mm-hmm. and i saw it, the pieces were under like 200
1: mm, brother
2: yeah
0: and even the framing and everything was you know below that and the quality of the work was awful mm, yeah so you know i and after I said that to, to him because yeah. I got a little snippy with it, yeah. you know, and, and he said to me, oh, I didn't realize. And I said, well, obviously you didn't. Yeah. This isn't, you know, the, I mean, I not let him, This isn't the
1: public middle school craft show, you know, they were doing right, as right. a but fundraiser thing, or something. <laughs> I
2: don't know. Well,
0: I think that it was. Yeah. But I didn't, I (laughs) didn't realize it.
2: You know what I'm saying? Like
0: what I didn't realize was that that's exactly what it was. And so he was, he was thinking to himself, like, you know, but it was, it was, it was a good wake up call for me because that's not my market. Yeah. It's not my market.
1: Yeah. Point well taken really. I mean, and you do have to do a little bit of research and find out, you know, is, is your work, does it fit in this particular uh, show? Yeah. And that. Right. That um, that genre or this venue or whatever, you've got to do some of that research. I love that. that that's, uh, yeah. that's really good. It's important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, big time. What about uh, someone who, um, in closing, I appreciate your time. My goodness, you're so generous with your time. I want to be respectful, and I will in the show here. I could talk to you for hours because no, no, I
0: gotta go to yoga. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Sorry,
1: yeah, I could, I could just keep talking to you for hours. I really could,
2: uh, but we'll
1: wind up here um, after okay. this question. But let me just ask you this really quick though: what What would you say to? I, so I know several artists who, and I'm mentoring them. Uh, they're wanting to start teaching. They've not taught before. They want to start teaching their particular style and that kind of thing. Um, Do you have any advice for artists who want to start teaching um, online or even in person?
0: Well, one of the things I did when I wanted to start teaching online is I started taking online classes. Mm -hmm. Because I wanted to see, not only do I love learning, I always love learning stuff. But I also, I wanted to see what I felt worked and what didn't work. Yeah, yeah. So there were some teachers, like, I'll give you an example, this, this one watercolor teacher that I took a class with very distinguished, loved her work, Mm -hmm. you know, and she pulled out a bucket that must've had, I don't know, a thousand dollars worth of paint in it. And she was like, oh, I think we'll use a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Well, you know what, as a beginner they can't possibly buy that much paint and as a beginner unf- yeah yeah it's unfair and
1: you can't just it's pull unfair. something out as a beginner that's overwhelming yeah right and no recommendations and so I, she didn't give any recommendations
0: she oh. had a yeah she had a list but okay. then but then when she was painting you know she was very intuitive about yeah. the way she painted yeah. and she had this huge arsenal
2: mm-hmm.
0: of supplies right right so uh, when i'm going to design a course i research the supplies beforehand mm-hmm. To find out how available they are, yeah. then I test them. Mm-hmm. You know, so if if someone is already you know dabbling or, or yeah. not dabbling, but is already working is proficient, right, right. You know, then you have to break down exactly what it is that you want to teach. Yeah, I start yeah. out slow and I rev it up. Mm-hmm. You know, so I start out real you know easy. Right. I start out with kind of warm up exercises right. and then I get into more complex subjects. Right. Um. You know, I you have to decide. Is it technique? Is it color? Is it drawing? Yeah. And I've split my my classes up into I have drawing classes that are only graphite. They're only graphite yeah. because I don't want to introduce it's too much at the same time. Yeah. So I think you know if you're going to teach, you really need to break down into lesson plans right. of what it is that you're going to try to accomplish. Mm-hmm. And then you kind of need to do them before you introduce them to somebody else, you know, just to make sure,
2: Yeah, you
0: know, because you could, you'll have students that will challenge you mm -hmm. and they'll have, you'll have students that don't understand what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And if you want to be an effective, good teacher, you also have to be willing to be open and to be generous Mm -hmm.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: because if you want to have a following of people, you can't hide, you can't hold back. Mm -hmm. Right. You can't say, well, you know, I'm not going to tell you about this cuz this is my like I'm not telling you my secret serve in p- pickleball. Right. Right. <laughs> you, know? right, right. <laughs> you know. Yeah. But but you know, if if I if I say to you, you know, well, this is the, you know, I'm I'm blending in a complementary color uh, composition or whatever, I'm going to explain to you exactly how I do yeah. it and why I do it why and what the outcome yeah. is and what the pitfalls and yeah. all of that. So you have to be willing to be open. Sure. If you're not I there are a lot of teachers and I've had them. Uh-huh where they will not tell
1: you. Yeah, I've 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 had some of those as well. I I love that you you tell why a decision is made. I think that's really a big key to it. Mm-hmm. I don't, for you and it sounds like maybe it's the same um uh that you're doing uh, what I'm doing as well is I I'm I'm trying to teach a transformation. I'm trying to teach that particular student uh and if it's a small group it's easier, but I mean it's I'm wanting them to have a transformation. I'm wanting them to get to that other side because there's knowledge Mm -hmm. that they don't know. And, um, they feel like that it's just this impossible mountain to climb. But once you break it down like that, it becomes
0: easier. I, I think that, I think another, another aspect, I mean, for me personally teaching, I'm not looking to create like another Mindy. Right.
2: Yeah. You know, right.
0: I'm I'm and I think that's what you're talking about in terms of transformation yes you want to facilitate the student to become the best John they can be within their style within their
1: bent exactly Um,
0: and then and then what you do is you extrapolate the information from the teacher and you create and you make it your own yeah. You know, right. it's, and I, I find some students are actually, I mean, I had to kind of wean them off of me, yeah. you know, like what color did you use? What pencil yeah, did like, you use at that point? Right. What did you, <laughs> you know, and I'm like, you know, I want you to experiment. Yeah. Like I want you to like take the basic principles, but I want you to like, you know, and, and a lot of times I have students that ask me permission, like Mindy, is it okay if I do blah, 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 blah. And I was like, try it
1: yeah you're not my apprentice you know, you're you're learning your yeah. art yeah yeah exactly
0: yeah and, and so yeah. i think that you have to be open-minded you know and, and if they were asking me to do something that i knew would damage the paper right. or that would be a catastrophe then i would say yes. <laughs> you know like no that's not really you know yeah. i've tried it you might want to try it but i'll always tell them to try sure. it on a separate piece of paper before they go on to their own But you're own talking own about pieces, just but,
1: permission to be creative or to make independent yeah Choices about things. Yeah. That right, makes sense.
0: Right. I mean, I you know, I realize that a lot of times, like I won't study with somebody if I hate their work. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, if I don't have admiration yeah. for 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 the finished product, right. then I'm not gonna study with someone. Right, right. But at the same time, I'm not looking to copy them mm-hmm. and be them. Mm-hmm. I'm looking to add that to my arsenal, to my repertoire to grow as an artist, to be the best artist that I can be. Exactly. So as far as I'm concerned, you know, that's what the teacher's job is to facilitate that. And that's where, you know, for me, that's, that's the journey that I'm going on as a teacher is to sort of be there along with you to give you whatever help or assistance or information that I can so that you are on your journey. And then I want to see you fly. Yes, I want to see you go off and do, and I I have students that I'm like, I could never achieve the level of detail mm -hmm. because I don't have the patience Mm -hmm. or even the desire or whatever. And I see some of the work that, that I've, you know, I started out teaching these people and I'm like, holy smokes yeah yeah. you know and 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 part of that makes me feel good because i was a part of that i helped them get there
1: Uh, you know so love it no that's exactly you you kind of just put it in a nutshell the exact reason that i teach and the the because there's nothing like that feeling to see that transformation on the other side sure that confidence oh so good But hey, Mindy, I'm going to be respectful of your time now. Now I will. Um, (laughs) Forget, you know, the two hours I took.
0: (laughs) I'm leaving. (laughs) Right.
1: Oh, my goodness. This has been so much fun. I really appreciate you coming on here. Um, Oh,
0: thank you so much for having me. Oh,
1: absolutely. Guys, we'll have all the show notes over there, all the links we talked about in the show notes. So just go over to the show notes page, sharpenedartist.com slash podcast. Reach out to the show by... Emailing podcast at sharpenedartist.com. If you enjoyed the show, consider leaving a rating or a review. I would appreciate that. And you can do that on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're probably listening right now. And guys, remember, this is a weekly show. I still get people, this show has been around for six years. I still get people saying they didn't know there was a weekly show about colored pencil and about art. Um, over here in this direction there's a whole bunch of podcasts now (laughs) related to uh art but tell someone else about the show tell them how to subscribe or follow the show i would appreciate that okay we will be back here same time same place next week so i will see you then and until then take care and stay sharp Bye bye